Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. And I'm Russell Howe. And this is Toys by Chance, the show where we come and talk all things entertainment, including movies, television, news, all that good jazz. And this week, we are actually not reviewing a movie. We are reviewing a television series. We are back to review Mandalorian. And this time, we have a really great guest. Come on, and talk about it. Laura Kelly uh, from, you know, Force Toast. Uh, all, all, whatever her show with John Rogue is, Jedi Way. That's what it is. Um, oh, tons of massive, massive Star Wars branch. We'll be coming out later in the show. Uh, but for right now, we have a ton of other things to talk about. First of which, our usual segments. Starting off with uh, the NFL. Uh, I know it's like long past by the time it, by the time it publishes, and we'll be like a week or ish removed from these games. But, st- but still, we gotta talk about them just because you know we're, we're investing the season. We haven't got a chance to talk about it yet. So last weekend was the conference championships. Uh, we had the Buccaneers taking on the Packers, and we had the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills. Let's talk about that game first, because I have a lot less to say about this one. Because I remember okay. people saying that this was going to be like this is going to be like the matchup to watch. Yeah, the, the Bills had the Bills had a really good season. They're, pl- yeah. they're playing really good football, and they got to the the conference championship, and it was not a good game at all. No, it was a shit stomping of the highest order. Which which is unfortunate because uh, um, when we saw them beat Pittsburgh earlier in the season, or well later in the season, I should say, yeah, um, they looked really sharp. And if they if they brought that type of team to Kansas City uh, for the uh, uh, conference championship, I think that it would have been a better matchup. It's just, they fell flat. Uh, Kansas City's defense, I mean, they made plays. I just think that, you know, their defense isn't that great. Um, you know, you can usually run the ball on them pretty well. Uh, they just, they couldn't, it, it, they never got into sync. They never got comfortable. No, they they, they were just off in game one. And Kansas, then actually, they, they started off. They started off well, because they were had like a nine-point lead. That faded really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once you know, Mahomes puts two touchdowns on the board, that's it's it's done. You know, what I mean, your uh, your nine point lead's done. So, uh, yeah, they just couldn't get. Once they were behind, they never they couldn't they couldn't claw. But what was but the ending of that game was maybe the most disrespectful thing I've seen. This not the most disrespectful, but like one of the like, but most like hardest performance I've seen. Just because like I think there was like one one play where they had like a, like a hundred yard worth of penalties. Most of yeah. which were on the Bills. Yeah, they yeah they definitely shot themselves on the foot for sure. Yeah, it's it's hard with jo- when Josh Allen threw like a threw a ball at somebody like a fucking bitch. Like like I yeah. I like Josh Allen, but that yeah. but that was a coward move. Like you're losing, yeah. man up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, and you know what? They're just not used to it. You know, they they're not used to yeah. actually you know going up against competition like that. You know, they had a really good schedule this year. You know, they went what. Uh, 12 and 4 12 and 4 yeah yeah i mean so they, they, they just yeah they, they hadn't really gotten they hadn't really gotten like pounded like this since what the titans faced them yeah i mean the lights were a little bit too bright uh you know it's a young team you know what i mean so i mean i'm sure they'll be back i mean that division's theirs for the taking cuz i don't see the jets i don't see well miami might miami might fight them for it miami but, will uh, contest be, them definitely between, not the jets be, no between the jets and the um uh, Patriots. I don't think you're going to have uh, much to worry about. So that that'll be a fun division next year with like different teams, you know, not just you know New England owning that division. It'll be kind of fun to see uh, Miami and uh, Buffalo shooting back and forth. Yeah, I know it's going to be. It's going to be an yeah. That was a, it. Should have been an interesting game. It really wasn't. But yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 real one was the the, the game. I, the interesting one was with. Uh, Green Bay and Tampa Bay. 
so here's the thing. <laughs> a lot of this game, it was pretty well contested. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was tight for for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now here's the thing. I know people are really quick to gas up Tom Brady. You included. You included are like among people who were just gonna bestow him the goats. He is, like, man. I mean, is he? I, we can have this conversation. He gets, he, gets ba- he gets bailed out more times than I can count. But but he puts his team in that position to get bailed out. Do you know what I mean? Like no, I, he was he was a hindrance on this team in this three picks. No, I, but then I also told you two of them were not his fault. Uh, you know, those those are just. Those are just, uh, you know, right place at the right time type of plays. That one inter- interception literally went right off of the wide receiver's hands. He should have had that. Um, and it just just so happened a Bills defender was there. I think the other one was uh, another one kind of similar to that. The other one, the one that he threw, uh, I think, were, I think he literally just threw it. Uh, and, th- and there was, like, nobody around. I mean, that was his for that sure. Was his. But the th- other th- two, I don't think. No, no, th- no two were his. I'll, I'll, give the, <laughs> I'll give him the one that bounced off of Evan's hands. I'm going to pass on that one. Those other two were all Brady. caught it. Well, he should have caught it. I he should have caught it. He but, I mean, but still, you have two interceptions. I mean, you still, you know, you still got it done. I mean, I, it wasn't the prettiest Tom Brady game, but um, definitely, you know, made plays when he had to make plays. I mean, that's what he's been known for throughout his career. So again, I, I don't yeah. love Tom Brady, but I, you got to respect him, even if you don't like Tom Brady, which I'm not. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like him enough. I'm not like the kind of guy. <laughs> you got to respect him. You're one of the few Steeler fans that actually can say that because he's he's been your kryptonite for a long time in the AFC. You know what I mean? He was. He was. I, I, yeah. I, I, I hated Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime we beat him, it was better than winning the Super Bowl. But yeah. So, but I think that this wasn't really a case of the Buccaneers winning. This was the Packers yeah. losing. First of all, like I mean, yeah, they definitely had the opportunities. Three yeah. interceptions, only only converted on what one. I think yeah. yeah, but you know what? Kudos to Tampa Bay's defense for stepping up. I mean, exactly. It was it was one of those things where honestly, I think back to the year I remember the um, the Tampa Bay won the um, the Super Bowl. Their um, their offense really played and made big play. Their offense, you know, they they rode in with their defense all year, um, but their um, offense really went to town. Because I remember when San Francisco beat the Giants. And that botched field goal at the end, you remember? Oh, that's, yeah. it, that's the same day as the Steelers beating the Browns in the playoffs. And I just remember, yeah. I remember we were down, and that's when we had Jeff Garcia. Anyway, um, I remember that week after, we got blown out by uh, Tampa Bay. And, and their offense was, like, lights out. So it was kind of like that story, like the opposite. Um, I mean, their, you know, their offense wasn't lights out, but their defense stepped up, made big plays. You know, that's you know that's what it's about in, in those situations, in the – when the lights, you know, when the lights are the brightest. Yeah, but like the whole the whole turnaround, the whole not converting on the two turnovers, yeah, that was a big thing. Uh, and that fourth de- and one fucking field goal thing. That was well, it wasn't fourth <laughs> and one. It was, it was fourth and goal. It was fourth. And, I thought it was fourth and one. No, it was fourth and goal. Oh, was it? And he goes for the field goal. That was I. I swear with I with, with two minutes goal. left. Which, here's yeah, the, that was stupid. Here's the weird thing about that. First of all, bet on Aaron Rodgers because there was like a gigantic like Aaron Rodgers probably could have ran that in twice. When you when you go yeah. look at the replay, there were like two times where he could have like ran, maybe ran it in for a touchdown. But even if they don't get it, they pin back deep in their, you know what I mean, deep in their in their own, you know what I mean. They're they're, they're going to put Tampa back at like close to the goal line. Like so in, I mean, it's inside, not inside the ten. Like I don't. Yeah. So I don't to me, that. it's it was a really stupid move that um, I really scratched my head at because you needed a touchdown. The field goal really wouldn't have done you anything because you still needed a touchdown. So play for the touchdown, don't play for the field goal. Um, who knows what happens in that situation? You get. You know, maybe you don't convert on the fourth and goal, or I, I, I swear to God, I thought it was fourth and one. Um, but if you don't convert, 
you know what I mean? Tampa gets the ball. Maybe you, you know, the defense pressures. They maybe, you know, cause a turnover. Who knows what happens? This could be a different ball game. They also just, they also just, the defense struggled a lot. And that's the thing. The Packers defense has been struggling for years. Like, oh, yeah. Their, at, their defense has not been good. They've lost four AFC, NFC, four NFC championships in the last seven years. That does not happen. No, I mean, I mean, la- I can say last year. I mean, they got shredded by. The, I mean, the Niners were just overpowering. Like you know, they were just yeah. offense, defense, lights out. Um, this year, I mean, they had a better shot, I, obviously, at winning this one and closing it out. But I think you know, yeah, their defense just one of those things. And I think they just it, crum- you, it crumbled. Yeah, you see that you see the draft because remember we all said when they drafted Jordan Love round one of the draft, we're just like, okay, I, I get it. You got to think for the think of the future, but. You have holes you need to fill right now, mostly yeah. on defense in your paper-thin receiving core. Receiving core was fine, but yeah. the defense was really a hindrance on this team. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's that, they've been known for that. Though. They're, they haven't had, like, a stout defense for a while. Yeah, I want to say since, what, like, what, 2011? Last time was the Super Bowl? I would say, er, yeah, early 2011, and then, I mean, they had some decent defenses there when, uh, like, back into Favre's uh, career. Yeah, so... There's that. The decision to go on fourth was just ridiculous. Uh, but what really killed him, like, was one particular player. That's Kevin King, their yeah. cornerback. Uh, first of all, got burned constantly, including one for a Hail Mary with, like, 15 seconds left on the clock when the Bucks had no timeouts. You're talking about the jersey grab? No, 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 no. The, well, oh, before, the one. Well, they went to halftime. I'll get to the jersey grab in a second. Well, they yeah, went to yeah, halftime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you, it's, it's 15 seconds left. They have no timeouts. Yeah. Like the old, your only job is to def- like that should have been like GTFB. Should have been whole, it should the whole defense should have been get the fuck back. Yeah, so. that's just it's just you're playing prevent there. You're just you know you're just trying to stop the big play from happening there at the end of the half. But he has one of one of the weakest coverages I've seen in a very long time. Where he's like waving yeah. his arms like a kid like a kid who doesn't know how to swim. Yeah. And then Brady hits the st- the short white receiver. I don't know what his name yeah. is. He's the token short white receiver. I mean, it's 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 the Brady, the white the white Brady receiver. I mean, fill fill in your name. You know, you're, you're Wes Walker. Doesn't you're, it? Wes yeah. Walker. You're yeah. Julian Edelman. Yeah. You, you are Brady's <laughs> white. You're Brady's white receiver. That's all you are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, get, gets him, and then you get to the end of the game where they're about to make a stop. Like they yeah. have him like third and I don't know, like like third and five or third and six. Probably yeah, and then the, and that jersey grab. That's jersey. just a boneheaded, stupid play. Stupid play. But at the same time, like that was a horribly officiated game. I mean, it was, but I mean, you could clearly see he was completely hanging on to him. He so, was. I mean, it was a, le- it was a legit time, call. It was a legit yeah, call. I get at it. the same time, first of all, like LaShawn Garrett is being held on that play. Didn't call that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There was a lot of plays. I and mean, there were and like a lot of a lot of blown calls. A lot of blown calls on both sides because there was a blatant yeah. pass. There's blatant roughing the passer on Brady that was not called. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm surprised was not called. <laughs> Because well, yeah, Tom Brady said he always gets the uh, benefit of the doubt, but yeah, there was a lot of it was a bad officiating all around. But like, I mean, not bad, regardless, not like bad. But like, the thing is, the thing with it was there was no consistency to it. Like the entire game, no, they just no, let wasn't. him play. They just let him play, yeah. and they pick now of all time to throw a flag. And I mean, and that's just the way. I mean, you know how they say any given Sunday. It's one of those things where it's. You never know what you're going to get with it. You know what I mean? With the officiating, you know, the, you can either live or die by it. Um, it was one of those ones where Green Bay still had a shot to win the game. Um, or, you know what I mean? Put themselves in a good position. So, I mean, they, you know, the coach, like like we were saying with the fourth down, you know, going for the field goal when obviously you're going to, I mean, you're that's like, you know, not running the ball. 
and, and passing it when you're Seattle in the Super Bowl. I mean, these are the obvious, you know, calls mm-hmm. that, I mean, they're obvious because they usually, I mean, 99.9% of the time would be successful. You know what I mean? So, uh, they had shots. I mean, it was, I mean, the officiating, yes, was definitely a uh, hindrance for both teams, but, uh, you know, both teams had a shot to, you know, be competitive and, and win, win the football game. You know what I mean? So, to, at the and, end of the uh, day. Yeah. The rest, the rest were not why they lost, but yeah. they really screwed them when it when it came down to the wire. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of moments where you know, especially Green Bay. It's more Green Bay than Tampa, but they definitely shot themselves in the foot with stupid plays. I mean, yes, the, I think the penalties. I mean, if you look back on that, that that's a regular season game that may or may not be called. I don't know. Like, I mean, that that was huge because that really that that was definitely the uh, the game changer there. That that third down conversion there for that pass interference. I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, you, you got to be smarter as a defender. You know, even if you know that they were lax in calling these penalties, you never know when they're going to call them. You know what I mean? So to me, it's 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 50-50 with that. You never know what's going to happen with, uh, you know, the officiating. And hopefully the Super Bowl, hopefully we have some good, clean officiating. We have some really good, you know, uh, I just want it to be a good Super Bowl. And now Tampa Bay, the first team to host their own Super Bowl. Never oh, happened in the history of the NFL. Sad. You get to play. You go on the road and you get rewarded with a home game on the biggest stage. I think that's so. I think it's, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Now we have the Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. We have the oh, we have the people call this the goat versus the kid. I refuse to say that because I refuse to acknowledge Tom Brady as the goat. That's just his personal <laughs> bias. Uh, what's he got to do, man? What's he got to do? Stop existing. That's what. <laughs> I gotta send you a, a picture. It said he had three different. He has. He he has had. Three different Hall of Fame careers. Um, they take snippets out of his like 2000. Uh, I'll, I'll just read while I have it up. 2001 to 2007, he had 86 wins, uh, 197 TDs, 26,000 passing yards, and three titles. Okay, that you know. And then from 08 to 14, 73 wins, 195 touchdowns, another 26,000 yards, and another title. And then from 15 to 20, 70 wins, 189 touchdowns, another close to damn near 26,000, and then two titles. So, I mean, like, you can look at it. You can slice it any way you want it. I mean, he's been consistent throughout his career. Yes, yes. Um, and again, I, I, would never, I would never deny the skill of Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, it just – it's a love-hate relationship. A lot of people either love him or hate him. Um, I'm just on – I'm on the, uh, the minority just yeah. because, uh, you know, I just – I don't know. I just – you can't help but not to root for the guy. You know what I mean? You just – at though? least to me. And, and I already I've convert my wife's a convert now so uh, and she's saying that as much as like because she hated the Patriots because obviously she's a Dolphins fan but she, now it's you know you're out of the AFC you're 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 good now yeah <laughs> you're not, you're not it's kind of much <laughs> with, not, it's kind of much with Kobe where it's like as soon as Kobe left the Patriots troubles as soon as like Kobe yeah. I would say as soon as Kobe left the Lakers but he retired so yeah no <laughs> troubles yeah um, <laughs> but yeah I mean like I said I, I will never I will never deny the skill of Tom Brady I'm just not as big a fan as most people. I get it. No, I mean it, it is. It, I mean, it, I mean it is what it is. You know. Give me, give me, give me, give me Montana any day of the week. No, and I love Joe Mo. You know, speak as a Four Niners fan. You know, I, I love Joe Montana. You know, he, he was four zero in Super Bowls. You know, he had a, a tremendous career. I mean, he took. You know, it's funny that we talk about it, but he took. You know, the Chiefs one game away from the Super Bowl and lost in the AFC Championship, I believe, in '93, '94 is last season. Um, it's one of those things where I, I mean, I respect what he did, but what I see, I, I guess because I, I've seen damn near all, all of his success, 
throughout the the right. you know what I mean throughout the last twenty years because that was like you know I'm sixteen seventeen when he like he's starting and I'm like watching his career unfold uh, before my eyes so to me it's you know I, I've seen all of it and time and time again like you just can't deny I just he he is the greatest I mean it's just it's just you know to me but. He's definitely Jomo's definitely too. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not shortchanging him, but uh, I mean, like I said, Brady, when time and time again, when he's when he's called on, he he puts he puts the team on his shoulder and he usually delivers. Minus the uh, you know a couple of Super Bowls, a couple of the Giants Super Bowls and the uh, the Philly one. But what? You know. How weird is that? That the yeah. only teams to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and the NFC uh, are NFC East. East, yeah. Only it's crazy. two goddamn teams to beat him in the Super Bowl from the from the well, same division. And from the worst division in football. I mean, listen, you're looking at two fluke plays from the from the Giants, both both times that they won. You got the helmet catch, and then you had the was it the Mario Manningham uh, uh, Michigan too? It was funny. Uh, the Mario Manningham catch, I think, uh, in the other Super Bowl, like it was a really like yeah, crazy it, was, catch, it was it was I think Tyree. It was Manningham. Oh, wasn't Tyree? The first one was Tyree. Second was Manningham. second was Manningham. Okay, so I because I know he. So, I mean, you're looking at two bogus plays, or you might as well even say three bogus plays to get you two Super Bowls, you know what I mean? I, you know, obviously Eli Manning, I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's not, I mean, he's not, it's crazy to think he literally has the same amount of Super Bowls as his brother. It's kind of crazy. Because he shouldn't really have any. I mean, I don't think, he, I mean, he's a, a good enough quarterback. He's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he's, though. He's, he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's, but he's not. He's, I mean, come on. I mean, he's, he's, he's good, but like, two, it's crazy to think of like, he, he could be he could be classified as most successful first round draft pick of the, of the last like twenty years, only because Andrew Luck retired. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of a shame because um, you know Luck really was going to have a really good career. I mean, he and was really. I, I, I guarantee you, Andrew yeah. Luck would have been a Hall of Famer had he not retired. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. I say the same thing about a lot of these players that retired early, like Calvin Johnson. But he, um, but, but he will be a Hall of Famer. That's, that's the difference. He, he will be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then like even Patrick Willis for the Niners, I thought would have was would have would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't I don't think that's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be hard with you know defense. Yeah, he, he won't be first ballot just because he, he he called it quits early. But he should be. He, I, I feel like if he kept it up, he would be. And speaking of Hall of Famers, uh, I mean, we, the guy we did have we did have two trans- big pr- big high profile retirements. Two two players that probably will be Hall of Famers. Uh, first one is Jason Witten, yeah. who. His second retirement, so it's not really that big a surprise. No. Uh, but the big one, and this one we kind of all saw coming, Philip Rivers, after 17 seasons in the NFL, decided to call it quits. I mean, I'll tell you, he's the best, one of the best quarterbacks to never win a Super Bowl, honestly. Oh, he's up uh, there. I would put, I mean, obviously Marino's going to probably pinnacle that, but um, to see what he did with those San Diego teams, man, I think I've said this before. I mean, it's the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Um you can say the same thing about like, and I compare it to like the Roger Federer type thing with, uh, with tennis. You know, you have you're going up in an era where you you're facing like what Nadal and uh, Djokovic and stuff like that. It's tough. I mean, it's tough when you have like a juggernaut. Um, you know, in the AFC, that is you know the Patriots at that time. You know, they had countless times they, they eliminated them from the playoffs, and they had a great off. They had, they had a great offense. They had a one-two punch with running backs. You had Antonio Gates, probably a future Hall of Famer, I would imagine, for tight end because he would was hope so. fantastic. You know, LT and Sproles were fantastic. Um, they they were great. They were a really great team. Uh, probably one of the better teams that never won a Super Bowl. If I think if I could think of one word, Scott Phillip Rivers, it's consistency. Yeah, because there are seasons where the Chargers were fucking bad. But he threw up tons of touch. I mean, tons of yards. Tons of yards, tons of touchdowns. I mean, 
This guy, yeah. he re- he retires with an eight 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 Pro Bowls, eight NFL top ten, eight NFL top one hundred uh, list makes. Uh, 2013 comeback player of the year, 5,277 passing yards or com- uh, completed passes. That's the fifth most in NFL history. Uh, 90 yeah. s- 95.2 passer rating. That's the 12th highest in NFL history. Uh, 421 touchdowns, fifth fifth highest in NFL history. 63,444 yards, fifth most in NFL yeah. history, and 12 yeah. seasons of 4,000 or more yards. I mean, I mean, you just uh, that's consistent. I mean, uh, it's that's consistent. He's a baller. I remember when back when he was like first, like when he was getting hot for uh, San Diego, he was like one of the most coveted players in uh, you know fantasy football. Everybody wanted to get him because he he was the one that was throwing up all the yards. Like he was your, you know, your Peyton Manning. You know, your well now you see you know your your pre your not your yeah, uh, your uh, Mahomes and your Lamar Jacksons and stuff like that. Uh, he was I mean he was the one that was coveted for uh, you know fantasy football teams. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the dude will be first ballot if it wasn't if if Drew Brees doesn't re- if Drew Brees doesn't retire this year, he's not. He, he probably he probably won't. He's first no. ballot. I yeah. think so. Oh, absolutely. I don't see why you would uh, you you wouldn't put him in. I mean, I mean that's that's a successful career minus the obviously the hardware that you you work for every year. But uh, nonetheless, that's but again, if if Dan Fouts and I don't think Dan Marino wants to rule either, did he? No, Marina never won. Yeah, uh, it, Fouts never won. Um, there's one. They more. had a bunch. They had a bunch of top ten. Um, who the hell else? Oh, um, what the hell is this? Uh, I, I saw this. I, I saw this top list of uh, quarterbacks that never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Ah, shit. This yeah. is gonna. It's, it's Dan. It's Dan. It's, it's not very many. It's Fouts. I know it's, it's Marino. Fa- it's Fouts, Marino, Marino like Jim top. Kelly, Warren Moon, Jim Kelly. Yeah, I was and Jim Kelly, uh, Randall Cunningham, and Rand, Randall Cunningham. Is Randall Cunningham? Did, no, yeah, he never he never won one either, and he was he's high up there on there. Yeah. So, oh, but Randall Cunningham's a wait. Did he go Hall of Fame? He he didn't he didn't go Hall of Fame. Randall Cunningham he's not Hall no, of Fame. No, so no Cunningham is another one without a title. But I he has I mean they're 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 Hall of Fame stats. I mean he had great years with the Eagles. He did he did. But and yeah yeah and uh, you know <laughs> uh, and speaking of Hall of Fame careers that were maybe wasted although this one might not be wasted because he might make it anyways. Uh, yeah. We have two. We have a lot of trade talk uh, between two uh, quarterbacks. One who may have missed the Hall of Fame window. One who's trying to not miss his. First of all, we, <laughs> it's, we speculated about it last week, but it's official. Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from Houston. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's leaving. That does not mean he's leaving because they can always yeah. say we're not going to trade you. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going to Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis has more to give than other teams. I think Indianapolis is a likely landing spot. Miami is a likely landing spot. But you just have a quarterback. I don't. I, see, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. You know. I wouldn't strip it bare and go. And then you know what I mean? Because you're gonna have to give up some offensive talent. This this team's slowly built. I mean, they they went ten and six without you know Watson. Um, I, I don't think they. I I really wouldn't. I'd stay away from it. They have a good thing going right now, and they're gonna have to give up a lot to get them. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's. Mm, I mean, we'll 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 definitely see how it goes. Yeah. But. Yeah, uh, I mean, point is like there's a really good chance because like either they trade him, or they decide to, or they decide to you know not trade him, in which yeah. case he has the right to sit and they can keep finding him every day. So I think he stands to lose like twenty one million if he if he if he sits the whole season. I mean, but with that contract that they just signed, <laughs> I mean, I that contract, who gives a fuck? Change, man. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, I, I, I also just think it's just, it's just worth trading him at that point. And that's what they're gonna do, and he's gonna and he's gonna end up getting out. Like if you was you clearly don't want a person on your team that clearly doesn't want to be there. I, I mean, it's, exactly. it's a hindrance. It's a hindrance to your team. And again, this um, is again, this is a this is partially on the Texans, partially on Bill O'Brien, who just really kind of just cratered that I mean, team. I'd say the majority on Bill O'Brien. If you would have majority kept on Bill O'Brien, and then you start building around it, you had it. You had talent there. You kind of pissed it away. Right, but you know the, the team the team did make in the GM, which is. Stupid decision. I don't know. And that's the thing. He's he, he didn't really do good in college football. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have shut the the gun and, and put him GM. I would have hired somebody else to oversee that. But I mean, it is what it is. That's why they pay these people millions and millions of dollars to make these st- stupid decisions. But uh, yeah, yeah. So Desha- uh, so <laughs> Houston, they're they're really losing a lot of, a lot of all stars because yeah, you know DeAndre Hopkins gone, Russell Westbrook gone, CP3 gone, James Harden. Gone. Deshaun Watson wants to leave. Yeah, Houston's not a place to stay. Houston is not. This is this <laughs> all. This can all be explained with the Astros World Series win. I guess uh, as soon as they won the World Series, everything started going bad for Houston sports. Yeah. Everything. That's it, man. Uh, but uh, the other high-profile high-profile quarterback looking for a trade is uh, Matthew Stafford. Biggest question is what took you so long? I, you know what? One of my I would say one of, probably about one of my uh, other favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, what a baller on on shit teams, and I mean even with the when he even had Calvin Johnson, but man, you would talk about consistency. I mean that that, that boy is consistent as they get. You know what I mean? Oh, he, he uh, is, man. Like I like I, I like Matthew Stafford. I really do. I do too. I I've always liked him. Um, and what what a trooper to stay in Detroit for that many years. Especially after Calvin Johnson retired, especially, yeah, especially after out. losing your biggest weapon, I got the hell out. But yeah, he's he's been loyal to that team. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up. Uh, well, he'll end up in the Hall of Fame. I don't. Um, I don't think he will, though. I don't think I he th- will. I th- I think, and I wouldn't be surprised if like the Lions maybe even retire his number, just because he did a lot for that organization. Uh, you know, playing and just you know what I mean. Well, he, and, he, and, he was supposed to be the guy that turned that franchise around, and he wasn't. He just wasn't that. He, they didn't give him enough weapons. I mean, yeah, you had one of the best receivers in the NFL, but that's all you had. You didn't have a defense. Uh, you know, you you overpaid for uh, well with Sue coming in. You kind of like he never really uh, Sue was de- he had some decent years in in Detroit, but you never had a big defense around those guys. It, and, w- it uh, was off- it was just it was Justin Dominican Sue. That was the problem. Yeah, and then, it was just and then offense. It was just Stafford and Calvin Johnson. That's it. Yeah, so they they just did not do a proper job like building that team properly. Yeah, and uh, like he, he wants out. I think they're looking to trade him. I think like, I think they say like a lightly trading spot is um, San Francisco. Your boys. I saw that. Yeah, and I totally would be on board with this one. Yeah, about um, that. Would you want to see Matt Stafford QB abs- for the Niners I, next season? Absolutely. Well, here's my thing. First off, I don't think we really need to go above and beyond with the whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing. He got us to the Super Bowl. He shows he can play the position. The the problem I'm worried about is health. He's always seeming to get hurt. You know what I mean? Um, and that's that's the asterisk by his name. To me, like I, he has shown me, he, he can completely, uh, you know, be QB one for the, for our team. You know what I mean? Um, but if we have a shot to get a Hall of Fame, you know, future Hall of Fame quarterback, I think I think we pull the trigger and do it. Um, I think he's a really great quarterback, and I think he'd work great with Kittle. Um, you know, even that Brandon Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Ayuk or whatever, Ayuk, yeah. and those and those um those young receivers they have, man. Oh man, what a what a fun time he'd have playing in uh, in Santa Clara, yeah. for sure. I I would like to see it, but I mean we'll see what happens. I as long as the um 
as long as we don't have to, you know what I mean, sell the whole entire team to get somebody, I think it's worth it. Well, because like, because what you you losing Sherman next year? Well, Sherman's not coming back. Yeah, that's Sherman unfortunate, but I mean, it is what it is. But he, you know, he was and the way he conducted himself in San Francisco was night and day from how he was in Seattle. Um, he was so much more grounded when he came to San Francisco, which was really because I hated him. I mean, I absolutely hated the guy. Cause uh, I, 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 remember, I remember the whole, I remember the whole yeah. like wrestling promo Crabtree crab rants. Crabtree, yeah. I'm like, I love, dude, I like, love that. I was like, dude, I hated the dude, honestly. And then when he came over, man, he was, he was a stud dude. He would come over even if he wasn't playing, but he would like really mentor the younger guys. And that's what it's about. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but we're going to save, we're going to save a lot of money, uh, not re-signing him. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have, I mean, it just depends on what, what happens. I wouldn't mind seeing Stafford come um, as much as I, you know, didn't like Aaron Rodgers because I hated the Packers forever. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, I just don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he's going to leave Green Bay. I don't the, think Green Bay's going to leave him. Would be, I, I think they'd be stupid to let him go. And, but again, it's just one of the situations where, I mean, he's, he's, he's put in competitive situations all the time. Obviously, to lose four NFC championships, you're there. You, you know what I mean? You're you're the you're the cream of the crop in NFC that year. You know what I mean? So you're 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 where you need to be. Um, I, I don't know. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we'll let we'll us see where he lands. I, I do yeah. I do a prediction like any team Stafford lands on, he's going to elevate that team. Oh, for sure. And like I said, I'm I'm really pulling for him because I like I would I would love to have him on our team because I've I've you know obviously just I've just love the way he conducts himself. All right, and that's it for the NFL talk this week. And I move on to our trailer rundown. Uh, we have a couple ones to talk about today, all of which are interesting to talk about for various, various different reasons. Interesting, Nick. Uh, yeah, first one we're going to talk about. Let's talk about Silk Road first. So, Silk Road is a crime film about a guy who played by played by Nick Robinson of Love Simon fame who basically kind of pioneers the idea of selling of selling drugs on the internet with bitcoin which if any of you saw dope that's basically what the premise of that movie was a pretty genius idea if you think about it it though. is a pretty genius idea especially because like how untraceable bitcoin is i, d- I do think it's actually a yeah. really good idea uh i is it based on a true story maybe maybe not i can't tell is it going to give people ideas probably probably <laughs> I can't wait to hear about all the crimes that get busted. <laughs> well, well, the movie Silk Road did it. Yes, like, <laughs> it worked here. Why not? <laughs> oh, this is based on a true story. So Silk Road it was is, a real yeah. site. Yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, um, again, it has cast features Nick Robinson, Jason Clark as the cop who's trying to catch him, uh, Alexander Ship, Nick uh, Nick Robinson's old love Simon co-star, uh, Jimmy Simpson, Paul Walter Hauser. Uh, Russell, what did you think about the trailer for Silk Road? I liked it. Um, I thought it was like I said, you know, opening. I think it's you know it was such a great idea, so- something revolutionary and different. Um, and the cat and mouse game, I think it's super intriguing. I, I kind of want to see how they like went about doing all this stuff. It got it gets me super curious to see how like this actually went through. Yeah, no, I, I, for sure. I actually did think it did a great job, like building a lot of really good intrigue. Yeah, I, mean, I like this cast. I think it's like a lot of like really good up and coming actors. A lot of actors who kind of like fly under the radar, like Jason Clark. Yeah. one of those. Oh, um, Clark's great. I do. Yeah. I do like Jason Clark quite a bit. So yeah, me too. Yeah, definitely interested to see that. And it has a release date of February nineteenth, twenty twenty one. So right around the corner. It's going to be here very soon. Uh, next show that we're talking about is for The Courier. The Courier is a movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch. He plays a salesman 
again, based on a true story about this guy, a salesman who was recruited by MI6 in order to, you know, make like transport drops with their French with their French contacts. Um or to East not French, to East Eastern Europe, Eastern European contacts. Uh as this cast of features Benny Cumberbatch, Rachel Brosnahan, uh from Miss Mar- Mrs. Maisel, Jesse Buckley, who's been popping up in a lot of stuff lately, which I'm not I'm not complaining about because I do like her as an actress. Uh, directed by Dominic Cook. One of the what has he done anything else that I've heard of or seen? Let's see. It's a lot of plays. It's a play. That's a play. A lot of plays. Maybe he has. Maybe he has. It. Uh, okay. I guess. He, I guess this maybe this might be his first movie. But uh, Russell, what do you think about the trailer for The Courier? Keep in mind, this, this is like this is like the third movie. This is a very like used title. So there's like three other movies called The Courier. There's one from 2012 that starred Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, sitting in a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's oh, there you go. There's one from 2019 starring Gary Oldman, sitting at a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, well, this thing can get above uh, added together if and go above 14. Pretty good stuff. Uh, sit, currently sitting at an 82. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the trailer. Um, I like that espionage spy stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it really intrigues you. And Benedict Cumberbatch is a you know fantastic actor. So, uh, I mean, I think the trailer did a good enough job. Again, kind of like using the same thing as Silk Road, but it building that intrigue. You know, you kind of want to see uh, what happens. And, you know, you, you want to see how he, uh, you know, maneuvers his way, you know, out of like, you know, like impending death and stuff like that if he's caught, you know. Exactly. Uh, no, yeah, again, Ben Cumberbatch, one of my favorite working actors. I, lo- I love this dude. We'll watch him in literally anything. I uh, cannot wait to see what he's able to do and th- what he does in this movie. And it, looks, it looks really good. I'm really intrigued about the story of this because it's one Emily I'm very familiar with. Uh, and The Courier is set for a March 19th, 2021 release. Uh, now, here's where, here's where things get interesting. Uh, next trailer we're talking about is for Boss Level. This is a new action sci fi, maybe? Film directed by Joe Carnahan. He directed The Grey. Directed, I think he directed Dragged Across. No, he didn't direct Dragged Across Concrete. Um, he did the A Team. That's no, that's another one. There you go. There's that one. He he was going to do. He was going to do Bad Boys for Life. He was going to do Bad Boys Three for a while, but he jumped off of that. And he, I think he just got a script credit on it. Uh, basically about Frank Grillo getting murdered over and over again until he could say Naomi Watts. Mel Gibson's the one trying to murder him. Happy Death Day. Happy. <laughs> it's 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 Groundhog Day. It's uh, yeah. tomorrow it's happy death day it's fucking palm springs <laughs> and dude i totally got like shoot em up vibes the the clive owen oh, movie too yeah i remember because I, yeah, like, I remember how like random it was like how, is that the know, one go... is that the movie where he kills the guy with a carrot yeah 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 it, it was one of those like absurd movies like this had that vibe to it so i kind of thought like shoot em up um yeah this i mean sure i mean this this looks like a fun movie that i would wait on demand, to, or not even on demand. I would wait till it was like on Amazon Prime or something like that. Right. I mean, it looks fun. I wouldn't pay to go see it. I mean, it does. It does look fun. It looks. It looks interesting. Yeah. I do want to know like yeah. what exactly is going on. Again, this is a premise we've seen done so many times, but it's just, oh yeah, it's just a fun way you can twist it. Like you know, you had um, Edge of Tomorrow putting in aliens and and that kind of element, and Happy yeah. Death Day making it like a serial horror film, Palm Springs yeah. making it a comedy. I think. Well, I guess you can argue that. You can't well, you can't argue it. Groundhog Day is definitely a comedy. But Groundhog Day kind of yeah. Groundhog Day. I mean, I think really kind of set the set the 
precedent, I guess. But but adding was, but I mean, adding a level of like having multiple people go through this at the same time, I think is the, yeah. the, the thing Palm Springs did differently, which isn't a spoiler because yeah. that's the whole premise of the film. Um, but which I really need to see because oh, I hear a lot of good things about that. Yeah, movie. I, I think I think you'll really like Palm Springs. Yeah, I really need to check it out. I've been I've been wanting to again. You know, we talked earlier. You know, just there's so much out there. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so um, Russell, what do you think of the trailer? I, I know you still have to watch a of it, but uh, yeah, so you wouldn't, <laughs> you're not excited to see Mel Gibson try and murder Frank Grillo I mean, for two hours. I mean, I mean, I'll watch it. I just don't know if I'm gonna go to the. I, I, you know, I, I'm all talk though. I'll probably end up going to see it. Like probably, I would. This would be a matinee type thing for me though. Well, guess what, Russell? You actually don't have to go see it in theaters on a matinee because this is being this is scheduled to release on Hulu March fifth, twenty twenty one. There you have it. Perfect. So again, so I'm, I'm actually. Um, I'm actually good then. I'm I'm back to where I stood, I guess. With it. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Per- per- perfect avenue for this. Uh, <laughs> like I said, yeah, Hulu, March fifth, twenty twenty one. Next show we're talking about is for Raya and the Last Dragon. Now Disney's kind of like in a full blitz mode with this trailer because this with this movie because it comes out in like a month and a half. Yeah, they're uh, actually like a behind, month. Yeah, behind the eight behind the eight ball here. Well, again, this was. This is supposed to be this is supposed to be released already, but you know, COVID messed everything up, so it kind of threw everything in the limbo. So I I, I understand. I've heard this. I've heard this. Yeah, this this supposed to be, supposed to be out like last November. Oh wow. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they really really kind of fell behind on this one. Uh, but anyways, this is we kind of talked about the, the teaser. We got to do a little more. We do get a little bit more of a story out of this one. Again, it takes place in the world of Kumandra, a place where humans and dragons live together. But you know. Dra- but you know, dragons sacrifice themselves to, you know, s- stop this great evil. Five hundred years later, the same evil's back. So now it's up to Raya and her pet pill bug, giant creature thing, to go and try and find the last dragon, to say to you know save the world. The last dragon, named Sisu, voiced by Aquafina, uh, has a cast that features a lot of a lot of Asian actors in this cast, which I do understand why they. Because originally this was not supposed to be Kelly Marie Tran the lead role. It was supposed to be an actress by the name Cassie Steele. She's on the grassy. I'm not sure. But they recast with Kelly Marie Tran, probably as an apology for really shafting her in the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah, so cast uh, features Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, uh, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, whose name I, I recognize that voice, but I couldn't place it until I saw them. Like, oh, shit, Daniel Day Kim. Jin yeah. from Lost. I think his name was Jin. Yeah, oh, good old Jim. Yeah, uh, S- uh, Sandra O, oh, Benedict Wong. We have a con baby, <laughs> which <laughs> is something. Man, I I would just watch a whole movie just of that baby because that baby is that baby is straight up G. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Russell, what do you think of the tra- of the? Because it's like when we get some actual story. What do you think of the trailer for Ryan the Last Dragon? I mean, I like the invi- like the uh, the visuals. I love the color. It's like really rich in color, which is uh, you know ob- always like appeasing, obviously to, to the younger audience and stuff like that. Um, I think it's something I think my daughter will probably enjoy. Uh, no, I liked it. I thought it looked it looked good. I mean, kind of what you said. It was nice to see a lot of Asian cast. Uh, I can see why they did it, obviously too. Um, and it looks. I mean, it, like I said, it, it looks entertaining. I, I like the fact that we see a little bit more story around it too. This is a, this is essentially like. What what am I thinking here? This is essentially, is this essentially like a new, a new princess film? Yeah, I mean, it kind of it kind of is because I mean, obviously, you know. Okay, yeah, she's I, a warrior princess. So this is technically the next yeah, Disney princess film. Because I mean, obviously, I got like kind of like I I know they're kind of like trying to follow in the footsteps of Moana and stuff like that. Like obviously, a lot different, obviously, but uh, yeah. yeah. So this is more like a updated Mulan because this is another Asian princess. 
Yeah. I guess I, I guess I guess I got everybody now. Oh well, no, we we don't, we don't have a Latina princess because that one, that one went to TV. <laughs> uh, so this is set for a release. It's it's gonna be a day. Uh, it's gonna be a same day release in theaters and on Disney Plus, and this will have premium, premium access, uh, yeah. which I guess kind of offset the kind of the theater cost. Uh, now, so Russell, I'll ask, would you would you pay this one? I'll pay for this yeah. one. You'll pay for. Yeah, this one I'll probably end up paying for just because. Uh, I mean, usually Disney animation has usually been pretty solid. Um, I think it was a little bit more, you know, taking a gamble on the, you know, live action, and I'm just, I just, I've just been so. Oh, this live action stuff's hit or miss for me. <laughs> um, it really is. I mean, honestly, I, I really did. I mean, crazy. I really did enjoy Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. I think are like my two favorites. I would say live action. Um, I wanted to love Lion King. It just, I, it was just, I was just again. I should have known what I was getting into because they weren't obviously going to change anything um, from the original cartoon. But uh, no, no, I'd absolutely pay for this one. I think it looks it looks really fun, and like I said, it kind of reminded me of Coco with all the vibrant colors and stuff like that. So I, I'm kind of I'm on board with this. No, yeah, I agree. I do think that. Yeah. I do. I do think that it looks interesting, and I'm, I will gladly pay the thirty bucks for this one because I do like supporting. Yeah. Like newer projects, like this, like stuff like this, I do like <laughs> I do like throwing my money to. Yeah. Because I want to see you know more of it. So yeah, no, definitely. Um, definitely going to pay for this one when it comes out March 5th. And, yeah, last year we are talking about easily the biggest, both in name, character, size, everything. And he's the biggest hit of all trailers we're talking about. This is the first trailer for Godzilla versus Kong, the throwdown we've all been waiting for that we were supposed to see last year, but, you know, COVID said, ha <laughs> fuck your shit. We're not, we're not, we're not going to see this movie. Uh, so yeah, this is the long-awaited crossover, in which the 2014 Gareth Edwards Godzilla and 2019 King of the Monsters Godzilla will be fight. Maybe um, we'll talk about that in a bit. Will be fighting the Kong from Kong Skull Island. Uh, so yeah, this trailer, this movie had a lot of hype going behind it, and yeah, this trailer came out and it was huge. I uh, took this out. 43 million hits on YouTube. That's crazy. That is wild. So. Yeah. Russell, what did you think of it? Before we get like getting specific, what do you think of the trailer for first of all, how are you on the MonsterVerse so far? We're counting like the MonsterVerse of Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Dude. and uh, King of the Monsters. How are you feeling about the universe and how are, and are you excited for Godzilla versus Kong? I mean I would say Kong Skull Island's probably my favorite of the three if you're gonna go overall movie. I, I like Kong more. Um and then, like, like kind of what we talked about the Godzilla ones before, I think the you know Godzilla King of Monsters was really just trying to do too much. Um, they were trying to do too much in too little time, and I just felt like it was just, yeah, oh, look at this one. Look, you know, we have King, you know, King Ghidorah. We have, look, we have Rodan, and we have all these, you know, Mothra. We have all these old, you know, monsters and stuff like that. Um, and then the first one, I remember the first Godzilla just being bored to death uh, with it. I, I might maybe need to give it a rewatch. See, but, um, I, I, I really like the first Godzilla. And I, 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 might, I, might need to, I might need to do that. Yeah, but, um, that, that to me just played like a classic monster movie, like kind of, kind of like Jaws or kind of like the original yeah. Godzilla from um, '54. And, and that's where I think this this trailer kind of like disappointed me, just because like I, I didn't want to see them right away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, build I guess. Suspense but, up, I mean, I guess. Build suspense up. I get why they're doing it because the 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 hype is so real. You know what I mean? They want to see it. They want to see the, them kind of fight. It, it, to me, it's like it kind of it's kind of like one of those things where I was kind of disappointed because I didn't want to. I didn't want to see the fight right away. I didn't want to see the characters right away. I wanted to see 
like it lead up to like oh shit they're gonna fight and then they cut it off you know what i mean kong versus godzilla you know what i mean i thought that would have been a lot cooler but that's just me well i mean we know we know what they look like we know they're gonna fight yeah I what know. i want to know is how they got this monkey back to the states <laughs> i mean and how many tranquilizers did you did, give did, this did thing? they did they roofie him like because oh, he, he has passed the fuck out Dude, he is out, and they have him, I think, shackled. I think they have him, like, handcuffed or whatever, shackled to hey, this Kong, thing. Hey, Kong, it'd be really cool if you took this drink. <laughs> yeah, please, take this drink and drink it, and then uh, we need to get your big... How do you make things that big to wrap around his wrists? I don't, yeah, who I don't made, know. Who made these? How strong I, is that ship? How is this thing afloat? No idea. Yeah, like, again, like, <laughs> it's so many questions, but I, 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 did, I do think that it kind of pushed the narrative, like, because... The thing that this movie, this franchise kind of shifted into, and the thing that the MCU kind of shifted to in, as well, the first Godzilla, if you watch it again, like, very grounded in a sense. Yeah. Like, it, it plays like if Godzilla was real, and he, you know, came in and started, like, wrecking shit because there were two mutos around, like, it would probably be like this. Yeah. So I, d- I like that realistic element for the first one. Yeah, uh, I get it. And then they kind of go into, like, B-movie, like, fun territory, which is fine. It's just fine if, if you if you yeah, can do no, it. Well. I get it. And Kong Skull Island is good. I like Skull Island a lot. I think it's really fun. Yeah. I think it's a really enjoyable movie. Um. So I think that's kind of what they're pushing with this one. Uh. The thing is like, now, we got a lot of things to talk about. First of all, we got a lot of returning cast members. We got Kyle Chandler's back. Hell uh, yeah. I like like Godzilla's hurt people, and we don't we don't know why. You hear the old guy in the back? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah. Um. So. There's a lot of theories going on around about this movie. Well, Bobby Brown's Bobby also back as well. But I, want, I do want to talk about the people, what people think it's going to be. Because first of all, like, I do wonder if this is the real Godzilla he's fighting. Because I don't know if this... And again, I know they said Kong is growing because the Kong we saw in Conquer Island wasn't like full size. He wasn't at his final form. But didn't yeah. this Godzilla look a little smaller to you? He did. Yeah, he absolutely did. And there's a lot of speculation going on about this trailer and this movie in general thinking that Okay, they're gonna fight, but they're gonna come together. They're gonna punch each other for a bit, and they're gonna come together because like the Galata hints that Mecha Godzilla could be in this movie. Oh, uh, the mechanical, the mechanical Godzilla. The mechanical, they're gonna the find robot out that, Godzilla. They're gonna find out they have a uh, relative named Martha, and then they're gonna. <laughs> is that what they're? Is that, is that what? The, is that what? Is that what we're gonna do? Save Mothra. Save Mothra. Q, Q, yeah, Q Mothra. Or, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know Martha Mothra. Mothra. Uh, yeah, but I do wonder. How this fight's gonna go down? But I do like the scene at the end where it's just like, <laughs> where he's like shooting, like shooting lasers at him. Well, first, I love the part where he jumped off the ship where he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> Pacific yeah, Ocean, y'all ready to rock? Oh yeah. <laughs> but I love the part where he's like shooting him, like he's shooting. Like, he's got that stick and he's shooting him. He's like, he's he's blocking up. I, I would, I, I would love to see like the like, Godzilla internal monologue. Where he's like, he's the works. Shit, 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 shit. Fuck. <laughs> no, it looks fun though. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I mean, I'm absolutely gonna see it, but. But I just wish they would have done that with the trailer. Only thing I don't like in this trailer is the song. It's it just is I understand like the theme of it, Off-putting. but I I think I just don't like that sound. It's too Limp Bizkit-y. It's a, it reminds me a lot of Limp Bizkit and it pisses me off. We should have just had uh, come with me again with Puff Daddy, Jimmy Page. Okay, man. man. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, t- I take that on. I take that. Just play a little like a little Shit, nod re- to re- the, uh, recycle the, the music. Remind recycle yeah. the music from the fucking rampage trailer. I don't care. Just not Limp yeah. Biscuit. And yeah, I know it's not Limp Biscuit, but it sounded like Limp Biscuit. That's why I don't like it. Yeah, it, it didn't uh, didn't fit the trailer. Yeah, so I mean, I think it fit. I just I just don't like the song. I just don't like the song choice. <laughs> 
Now, I will ask, uh, who do you got in the fight? Because I, I, when we coming out, I would have said I got Godzilla. Yeah. I, I got Godzilla in three rounds via TKO. And because <laughs> they will say, they said that this fight was, will have a definitive winner. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Kong, so I'm going to go with Kong. I mean, um, he just looks really – I mean – you see more of of what he can do, I guess, than Godzilla. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like they were just kind of hyping it up with him swimming and then just coming out all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't yeah, know. I would have I would have gone, gone Godzilla like undoubtedly, but because you know, yeah, fireproof. Kong. After seeing this trailer, I'm not so sure because Godzilla is getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna go with Kong though, uh, just because that's always been my favorite of the two. But yeah, so I'm going with Godzilla. He's my boy. Maybe the Japanese cut of this trailer is different. Godzilla's winning the fights. <laughs> yeah, they're releasing different trailers all around the uh, the world. Yeah, maybe <laughs> every every trailer someone else is winning. They're like, oh, wait, who? <laughs> yeah, who the? We got we we we, we test group this area. Who do they like more? Godzilla. All right, yeah. fine. Have him win. Have the have the trailer world like he's winning. So yeah, I am ex- I am excited <laughs> to see this. We'll, we'll, oh, oh, for sure. So, and uh, set for a uh, day release, same day release on. March thirty first, twenty twenty one. Uh, so Russell, I will ask: uh, Is this something that you're gonna watch on your TV at home, or are you gonna actually go and brave the theater to see this? No, I'm going to theater to watch it. So am I. Yeah, I. I mean, that, this is something you have to watch on a big screen. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a no brainer. Yeah, same same thing. I'm also going. I'm also going to theater to see this. Uh, March thirty first, what comes out? We're, we're gonna be safe. We're gonna have masks. We're gonna have absolutely. Lysol. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be good. Even though. This. Even though I already had COVID, I'm absolutely gonna wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, I'm good. I'm double protected, man. I'm protecting everybody else, and I'm I'm protecting myself. So yeah. And that's the last show we're talking about today. So we now we now move on to notorious news. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we gotta you know we gotta give our you know always our salute to the legends we've lost because we've lost three massive pillars of entertainment in the last couple the last like week crazy it's gonna happen like one after another uh first one being larry king larry king was okay it's not surprising because i know larry king is old as fuck yeah yeah but he's just someone I, again one of those guys i didn't think was capable of dying i thought he was gonna be yeah. interviewing for the next like 200 years yeah but yeah like he was there was no interviewer like larry king no i mean because he was really raw like he really got intimate with uh, you know his guests and um I always loved seeing him cameo up in uh, in movies too. Oh, in anything, yeah, any everything. Yeah. He had such a great sense of humor about himself. I I, I, yeah. I really dug that about him. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like I love I love his calming voice. I loved like when he again I love the way he did with interviews. <laughs> he, he had some really great interview moments. Like there's one where he's interviewing Danny P- Danny Pudi, uh, who's uh-huh. in Community, and like just like talking about him, like like lug like luxury, just like. And he's talking about all these things like like nice cup of coffee, like socks, like those aren't luxury. Like, okay, what, what, what luxury? Do you, what do you want me to have? And he's like, like private planes, like private, like, <laughs> like private plane. I'm on Ducktales. I <laughs> 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 uh, look it up. It's 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 hilarious. It's hilarious what he's doing with guests. Have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the the dude was. It's kind of like in the Alex Trebek zone where he's just like he's kind of like an immortal in the world of television. And it's it's just not, TV's not gonna be the same without him. No, it's so synonymous with like you think you know him on CNN and stuff like that. It's it's kind of synonymous you, you with you can uh, see Larry King. The, the, C- the CNN set, you can see all like the, the red, blue, yeah. and uh, green dots behind him. It's just you know Larry yeah. King, like, and it's it's yeah. crazy to think he's just gone now. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's crazy. The next person, the next person who sadly passed away, 
and this this one hurt really badly because it's an actress who I always just like. I always knew that I just didn't think about it enough, but now, like now she's got, I'm like I'm really like, thinking about her a lot. It's Cloris Leachman, man. Mm-hmm. Cloris Leachman passed away. She had, she had maybe one of the most expansive careers I've ever seen. Yeah, she's she was in it for a while. Like she she was active and working since the '40s. That's crazy. That's that, almost shit. You think about that. If like she was in anything in the '20s, that, that's 80 years. Yeah, I know, right? Like, if she was like even like doing like stage work in the twenties. That's, that's a crazy. Forty year. That's a forty. Okay, well, she was. She couldn't have been doing anything in twenty because she was like four at the time. But. No, 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 no. In, tw- in the twenties, meaning like twenty twenty. Like oh, twenty twenty. Like oh, she. Yeah, yeah. She, oh, she actually, did, though. Yeah, she, she did. did. The Croods. The Croods do. Yeah, Croods. Yeah, that's what I meant. I I didn't mean the nineteen twenties. We, well, we have we have we have two twenties now. So. I I should I should have uh I should have yeah definitely should have. <laughs> yeah, she she has actually, she actually has like more movies coming out in in the in the twenties because yeah because she was an actress who just she worked, she worked a lot and she was great at what she did. She had so many, like and and she was one of those actresses who. Oh, it's crazy. Okay. I mean, you have people who like again you have like TV actors actors and you have t- movie actors. Cloris Leachman was one of those actresses who could have who excelled at both. Yeah, she for had, sure. She had so he had like eight Emmys off like twenty two nominations. Uh, she had an Oscar of Last Picture Show, in which she's excellent. Like go watch her in that movie. She's uh, Young Frankenstein. She's hilarious. Uh, her little part one. She's hilarious, and she's mostly known for TV. She worked on a lot of television shows, um, but she still had like a lot of film career. Like she was on the Twilight Zone, but Cassie's the next kid. Uh, she had a ton of voice work, Raising Hope, which was a big show in the, in the early twenty tens. She was just an actress who was just out there, just constantly, man, constantly. I for, I forgot she was the old lady on the on the bus in uh, Beavis and Butthead to America. Oh, she was, and she might. Yeah, wasn't she on the Facts of Life? I think she was. That I I, I just know that I remember uh, obviously Bad Santa Facts of Life. Let me look. I swear, Beverly Hillbilly. She was Granny. I swear she was on the Facts of Life. <laughs> oh, Mary Tyler Moore Show, which which a pivotal pivotal show in television history. Prancer. Maybe she wasn't. On the, she was in the Facts of Life. She was Beverly. Was she? Okay. Yes. Well, there you have it. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's crazy how much she was in. Yeah, like she was. She was. If, if, even if you don't think you know Cloris Leachman, trust us, you do. And yeah, that used I, icon in her own right. So mm-hmm. rest in peace to that. Another one is uh, an actress who did it. I don't think got enough love. It's not much she deserved, and that is Cecily Tyson. Uh, C- Cicely Tyson is again, uh, again like Cloris Leachman, uh, an actress who has had like a super long illustrious career, and for an actress of color to last that long, again, another actress who's working since the forties. Like, jeez, yeah, wow! For her to have a career to last as long as long as, as long as she did, again, one of the first major. Uh, black actress to be nominated for an Oscar. She's nominated for Sounder in '72, which is she's awesome. I loved her in Sounder. Uh, the autobiography of uh, Miss Jane Pittman is a really, really good miniseries. Of one, you know, like really like a kind of miniseries in television. Uh, so many, so many roles now. Like she was like Tyler Perry. She ca- cast him. Cast her a lot of movies. She was How I Get Away with Murder in the 2010s. Like she just had, she had a lot. She had like a really long career. She's married to Miles Davis, actually. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, she was just someone who just had such an interesting, like an, inter- an interesting career in her life. In fact, the fact that like no one really like talked about her all that much, at least not much she deserved, because she was an actress of like an incredible caliber. She was so talented, 
any anytime you anytime you saw her, you were always happy to see her. She's always turning in a really good performance. Uh, I think she was again. I think she was excellent, especially a really underrated actress as far as like as far as like black um, black performers in movie mm-hmm. and television and just performers in general. I, I really love Cecily Tyson. And yeah, it's 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 it sucks, man. It, it sucks to see an actress of that that kind of prominence just pass away like this. Which she, at least in my opinion, didn't get her due. No, I agree. Especially, I mean, with that longevity that you know her and Leachman had. Yeah, exactly. So we lost a lot of icons the past couple of days, and all of them should, all of them can rest in peace. Like they were all fantastic in their own right. Uh, moving on to the more fun news. Uh, <laughs> No, Nolan, back in the news, back in the news again. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, this is for a thing we kind of saw coming. It looks like he is essentially divorcing WB as he is basically kind of refusing to work with them anymore, which is crazy. Cause I think he's done movie. I think every single movie he's done for the past what? All of them. Twenty years was was was, was Memento, Warner Brothers. Uh, I know. I'm trying to think. I know Insomnia is. I know. Uh, obviously, all the the. Batman movies were Batman movies, obviously. and everything, every everything like you know Dunkirk and Tenet and all those. So let's see, um, Memento, that was not Warner Brothers. Memento, uh, then I think he went he went Warner Brothers after Memento. Yeah, so Insomnia, Batman Begins, The Prestige, that, WB. I was, say, I knew ins- I was pretty sure Insomnia was WB. Uh, Interstellar, WB, Dunkirk, yeah. WB, and Tenet also WB. So yeah, crazy. Like he's basically it's kind of like the house that Christopher not the house he built but the house he they contributed put a to. lot of money in it put a lot of <laughs> put a lot a of bit of money a lot of money a lot of butts and seats a lot of prestige brought on because Christopher Nolan um but yeah it's crazy to think that uh, so what what studios can I try and like sign him <laughs> kind of like sign him next oh dude I don't even know I I, I wouldn't even who would even wouldn't that be funny if he ends up like something like real random like Lionsgate or something. Uh, well, I, it's, oh, it's or what? What is totally, it? Uh, STX. Yeah, it's something totally random. I, I don't know. I don't even know where. Would, would he just open? Because he's so like. I feel like he's so like one of the people that would open his own studio company. You know what I mean? He's he's, he's still in his distribution. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where he goes. This is gonna be interesting. Yeah. So the the future of Nolan's career is gonna be. Yeah. Very interesting going forward, despite the fact that we're kind of. We're not not fans of his, but hey, he's coming back. 20, 2020, he's coming back maybe because we both yeah. like Tenant reasonably. L- yeah, like Tenant. I mean, it was it was okay, not his best. Uh, a lot better than the previous. A lot better and, than the previous um, yeah. three. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. And I've heard watching with subtitles makes all the difference. So there you have it. Maybe to go back and watch with subtitles. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Next piece of news we're talking about is uh, oh, the thing that no. <laughs> speaking of Warner Brothers. Uh, the thing they announced that nobody is excited about, and I mean absolutely nobody <laughs> is excited about, they announced the date for their Willy Wonka prequel movie. This will have a release date. Uh, this will be released in 2023, uh, March 17th, 2023. And they're eyeing main. We now we talked a uh, while back about how the actors are eyeing include uh, Donald Glover, Ryan Gosling, and there was somebody else who I cannot remember. Uh, but they shifted away from that, and now the two actors being looked at for the role are Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet, which I find <laughs> substantially less interesting. I don't know about yeah, you, but I find it substantially uh, less interesting. I just find the whole idea of having a prequel, like, I don't know, just not... Because yeah, the whole whatever. thing with Wonka in the movies, and also in the book, 
it's a mystery of them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the whole like enigma of Willy Wonka. And I feel like yeah. if, if there's any characters that don't need prequels, it's Willy Wonka. Yeah, I mean that's the whole mystique. That's the magic of of, of Willy Wonka. You know what I mean? Even how the you know obviously the the movie that we talked about, you guys can check it out. Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, it's that whole entire building up to first you know finally seeing him. You know what I mean? I don't want to know anything about it. You know what I mean? I just I kind of want to kind of just want to use your imagination with it. You know? Exactly. So yeah, it's 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 really it's a, this is a thing that like absolutely again like I said, no one's looking forward to this. Nobody no. is excited for it. Uh, and it's, you got Paul King direct the first two Paddingtons, which is the only thing keeping me in, on board with this because the first two Paddingtons are excellent, excellent films. Oh, for sure, yeah. I'd rather see him do Paddington three than this, but I mean, I completely agree. This is this is this is the path he's chosen. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I'll I'll watch it out of intrigue, I guess, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Uh, next, next few stories all revolve around release date. Uh, both Searchlight and Sony had some release date shifts. Uh, or well, Searchlight set release dates, so some of them were some of them were just back. I mean, the main one is Antlers. Antlers is now getting a release. Uh, it was this one. This movie has been jerked around a lot. In the past I'm pissed years. because I like the. I remember liking the trailer. Yeah. Uh, this is now has a actually pretty pretty solid release date. Halloween friendly release date of October 29th, twenty right, cool. twenty one. Uh, other release date they set. They set the Night House. Uh, yeah, we forget forget that. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not we're not gonna go into that one. When are they doing anything about Saint Maud? Uh, I really want really to see that. Wasn't Saint Maud A twenty four? Yeah. I think is is isn't that out? I don't know because if it's out, it's not in theaters. I don't know if it's a limited release or what. What the hell? I'm not sure. But uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye, the movie about uh, Tammy Faye Baker <coughs> and her husband, uh, that's set for a September twenty fourth release date. Very Oscar very Oscar friendly kind of thing. Uh, one I'm particularly excited about, Nightmare Alley, the new Guillermo del Toro movie, set for a December 3rd, 2021 release date. So again, another really Oscar-friendly release date. And also the French Dispatch. uh, Wes Anderson's new one. Yeah, uh, set for a July release date. Oh, I'm sorry, no. They don't have a release date. The French Dispatch, surprisingly, does not have a release date. Yeah, I can see that in the summer, yeah. I can see that in the summer, too. But uh, yeah, so we have all that. And we also had Sony. Uh, Russell, it's starting again. Studios oh, are starting to delay movies once again. I'm not. Uh, this is just. I feel like the, like this is Groundhog Day here. We we played this last year. I didn't know we didn't, were playing didn't it again this year. This? Uh, yeah, let, let's st- let's start with the Camilla Cabello Cinderella being pushed from February for, pushed from February 5th to July 16th. Okay. Okay. Couple months. And, uh, the cu- <laughs> the curse of Uncharted continues. Uh, it now moves from mid July of this year to February fifth, uh, the February eleventh of twenty twenty two. Unreal. Here's the thing: like the curse of Uncharted continues. Now, um, th- th- this is the whole thing. We're like, are this movie even going to get made? Are you going to get released? It will now because they already shot it, <laughs> so they have they have no choice. They're locked in. Yeah. It's like show us what you've made already. Uh. Uh, one that another one keeps getting pushed around despite the fact that it's done. Just put it on goddamn stream. Peter Peter Rabbit two the Runaway. Oh my lord! Moved from Ugh. April second t- uh, to June eleventh. Just put just put it on a service already. Leave it on. Leave it in April. Release it in Prime or something. Exactly. Yeah, stupid. Stupid. Uh, especially for especially for Easter. This 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 one's this one's gonna hit. This one's gonna hit you hard. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters Afterlife yeah, bumped from yeah. July eleventh all the way to November eleventh. 
2021. It's like that, like like James Bond. They're breaking my heart here with these. James Bond also moved to October 8th. Shifts. Yeah, these shifts. And uh, last big move, uh, one we're all looking forward to, Morbius, the Jared Leto vampire movie. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Moved out of 2021 entirely. Now set to release on January 21st, 2022. It looks like shit. That, that, that's a perfect release date for it. <laughs> January. Oh, yeah, that is. It looks like yeah. shit. Yeah, per- per- perfect time to release it. Absolutely. January is the shit pile of usually of, uh, of the Hollywood movies. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. That'll, that'll yeah, be is, nice. Is this the start of a, of a mass exodus of movies from the year again? It's crazy. Just because, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of how it started last year before, like, we lost everything in theaters. Yeah, it's, it was a ripple before the big tidal wave. Yeah. So, do you think this is starting again? I mean, we we have vaccinations; they're getting out there. Um. I mean, I I don't know. I, it's one of those things where it's like I, I don't know. It's the vaccinations are are going. I see a lot of people on Facebook posting their pictures. Um. It's one of those things where it's like, well, what happens after? Do you know what I mean? We gotta we gotta wait. What's the ripple effect after you get the vaccination? So I, I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we get some some normalcy back. You know, and we can go back to doing the things that we. You know that we took for granted that we really miss doing. Absolutely, I do. I, 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 it's crazy to think that we've been going out wearing face masks every day for almost a year. It's crazy, yeah. And, and I never in a million years like when this happened in March. Like I remember, it was right around St. Patrick's Day. And I just, I never thought that I was. Oh, this will, this will shake in a couple. We couple all, months we all thought, ah, oh, this, this, this will no. shake over by Easter. We'll be, we'll be fine. And it just, it just, it lingered. It stayed around, yeah. but. Uh, you know, things are. I, th- I think we're hopefully making a turn here to to the better. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll definitely see how you know how exactly this is going to shake out in the future. Yeah. Uh, next piece of news we're talking about. Uh, oh, actually, this is this is, this is one. Uh, there's going to be a new Cloverfield movie coming out. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. It's uh, still producing. It won't be found footage, which is kind of a thing. Like the l- the last two were not found footage. If I'm not mistaken, they weren't. Paradox wasn't, and uh, neither was Ten Cloverfield Cloverfield Lane. Lane. Yeah, those weren't fun. I I really like how they did the first one. They did, but uh, yeah, the the last one kind of took the extra miles to kind of (laughs) explain what this, what the Cloverfield virus, what the Cloverfield like anomaly is. So to be honest, I didn't see the uh, I didn't see the two sequels. Oh oh oh, Lane is awesome. Is it? I'd highly I'd highly recommend checking out Lane. With the one with John Goodman, right? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna have to check it out. It's one of those ones where I was like, eh, because I knew Paradox when they released the other one on Netflix. I was like, eh, I just wasn't, you know what I mean, sold on that one. I might have to check the other one out then. But I just really love the first one. I just like the whole, you know, inventive idea of it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's good, but they t- they take it in a whole other direction, which I do like. Okay. Regarding this, this right, franchise. I'll check. I'll check the. I'll check the one. The other one out then. Uh, yeah, uh, check out Ten Cloverfield Lane. I mean, watch Cloverfield Paradox just to finish it out. But I'm telling you that one, yeah. is, that one is a pile of shit. Yeah, I, I can. I like on even when they were releasing it, I was like, "This is stupid." Like, I think I really lost. I think it shifted after I saw the first one. I kind of like was like one of those ones where it's like we don't need a sequel. You know what I mean? Let's just just keep it as is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, more Cloverfield. If you're, um, I'm very curious to see what they do with this franchise now because I kind of I think Overlord was speculated to be another Cloverfield movie. Okay, but then they kind of took all the tie all the tie-ins out, so it w- it wasn't. That would have been really would have been really kind of cool, I think too. That could have been because Overlord was g- really great movie. Overlord was really good. I, I liked that one a lot. So, 
Yeah. We'll definitely see uh, what happens with with the uh, franchise next. I'm very curious to see where the where, where the what direction to go in. Uh, next piece, next uh, story we're talking about. There's a new next movie called a new Netflix heist film called The Formula coming out. It's going to pit two actors who I never thought I'd see share the screen. It's going to be John Boyega co-starring alongside Robert De Niro. Uh, okay. Basically, uh, it's going to find Boyega's going to be playing a Formula One racing prodigy who's forced to become a getaway driver uh, to save the only family he has left. Uh, <laughs> not sure who De Niro's playing in the situation, but he's going to be in the movie. Again, not two actors I ever thought would be <laughs> uh, yeah. would I, I'd see together in the same film. Yeah, yeah, me either. Uh, but yeah, you hear the, that, com- that combo and that premise. De Niro and Boyega. Are you, you buying into this movie or not? I mean, enough to go see it. I mean, obviously, I mean, th- I mean, both are talented in different, you know, different, you know, ways, obviously. But yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, same here. I think I, again, Boyega is an actor who I, w- I will support no matter what. Cause I like, I like the guy. I, I think he's talented. I also just like the guy. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, again, I, I really like what he's doing for like everything for Black Lives Matter. I, I really love what he's doing. So yeah, I'll support that dude and just about anything <laughs> he does. I'll watch the Circle. No, I won't. But oh I, I, w- so I won't watch it again. But I l- uh, <laughs> I'll watch. I, I watch well, the circle. I was so disappointed. I think everybody was. I just I wasn't envisioning it to be what it was. Literally everybody. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was com- one of those trailers. The trailer sold me on something completely different. Yeah. So something that I'm actually really interested in now is Borderlands because this movie just does not sound real. Okay. Because Borderlands based on the video game about. Uh, about a, me- a former member of a highly trained par- private military force known as Crimson Lance, uh, who gets recruited uh, into into this like gr- uh, this crime gang. Uh, it, it, it's a whole like crime video again. I haven't really played. It. I just know the story. There's no like the general story of it. Like making a st- making a movie out of, it, of a popular video game. Like, like yeah, yeah, I s- understand that. You hear Eli Roth is attached. I'm like okay, makes sense. He's kind of a gorish plug. Pl- pl- Gore and violent exploitation, guys. So it makes sense. Kate Blanchett's gonna star in it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the thing where it's like, wait, really? You got her? Not only did you get her for House with the Clock in His Walls, which is actually it's actually pretty good, but still, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, I guess she had a good time working with Eli Roth. I just like forget we got to team up again. <laughs> but they did announce her co-star, and Russell, I'll, g- I'll give you fifty guesses to who as to who this co-star is. Go ahead. Kevin Hart. What? Yeah. Yeah, never would have seen those two. Yeah, so uh, for all the people who wanted Kevin Hart and Kate Blanchett to share the screen, here you go. There you, there you go. But like, you, you hear this kind of premise, and he's kind of he's playing the mercenaries who kind of recruited into this whole paramilitary like gangster force. Uh, does I'm not gonna lie, I'm sold on this. Cause I want to see Ke- Kevin Hart and Kate Blanchett just share dialogue and something. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Just what you said. Yeah, I never in a million years would have envisioned that. So, uh, and Kate Blanchett's probably one of the best actresses working. So it'll be kind of oh, absolutely, kinda, undoubtedly, kind of neat to see what uh, what the two of them can muster up on the screen. I, yeah, it's wow, what a what a pair. What Who a pair. Thought? What a combo. Eli Roth, Kevin Hart, and Kate Blanchett all all together. Eli Roth, the guy that directed nothing but fucking horror films, <laughs> except for that one time he made a kids movie. That was actually really good. <laughs> that was actually really good. Go watch the House of the Clock yeah. as well. It's actually pretty it's, fun. I'm telling you, it's it's a really good one. Yeah, for sure. You know what? When they, when they were showing it in theaters, they did like an IMAX screening, and before yeah. the IMAX screening, they showed the thriller video. Oh yeah. That's cool. the only reason I went to see the movie, 
Oh, yeah. To see, to see Thriller and IMAX, but uh, the, the movie's actually pretty good. Oh, it was. It was such a one Because, like, when they said Eli Roth, I'm like, okay, this is going to be shit. And then I went and watched it. I'm like, yeah, this is actually kind of fun. And I think, what, he did Death Wish, too. He did do Death was Wish. Kinda, which, was, which was fun, too. I mean, obviously, yeah, it was kind of beat by beat. A little bit different than the original, but uh, it's still a fun movie. I know a lot of people hated it, but it was a fun, fun uh, action flick. Uh, yeah, uh, speaking of something that's going like, to pique our interest, uh, Apple actually really heating up with their content, giving a really good reason not to drop Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, they're lining up a new show called In With The Devil, uh, okay. co-starring Taron Egerton and Paul Walter Hauser. Oh. Uh, it will be done by um, Michael Ma- Ma- Ro- Roskam and Dennis Lehane, uh, both of which worked on The Drop, was actually a really underrated movie in the last 10 years. If you haven't seen The Drop, go watch The Drop. And it's going to be about the relationship, the intimate relationship between these two prisoners as well as the length people will go to in order to seek redemption. Uh, whether whether true absolution, or whether like they're worthy of it or not. Edgerton is going to play, actually based on a uh, true story, uh, about these two, about these like two real guys. Uh, Edgerton is going to play like kind of the newcomer in this prison, whereas Paul Walter Out is going to play the guy who is suspected of being like an actual murderer. Hmm. Um, yeah, the story is actually like quite like quite fascinating. I'm, uh, I'm looking at it now. So, um, Russell, you he- you hear this premise and you hear these two actors joining up this for this project. Uh, does that does that intrigue? Because I know you don't have Apple TV Plus yet, at least. Uh, yeah, I don't. Um, one of the few, actually, one of the few people or the few streaming services I don't have. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Two both, you know, great actors. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm sold on just that. No, absolutely. I do think that. I mean, I, again, I, lo- I love the two actors. I love the, the creative team. Apple TV Plus, like Loki, they have some like really like interesting shows on there. Yeah, I, I really want to watch that Justin Timberlake one that we Palmer, we, yeah, we, Palmer. Yeah, really I, really want I think it's I think it's out already. <coughs> I think it came out today. That's that's kind of what stirred that up because, uh, yeah, I I, pro- I don't know though. What's the what's the going rate on that? I I, I don't think it's like overly. Fa- I want to say it's like five bucks a month. Really? I don't think it's overly expensive. Let me double check. Uh, oh man, as, as I have Apple Plus next week or something. Yeah, Apple TV Plus. What's what's, what's the cost of that? It's just so many, so many, so many yeah, streaming dude, services. Yeah, it's, dude, it's five bucks a month. No should. Yeah, yeah, well, that might be something to look into, yeah, because that's, I mean, that's awfully cheap. And or, or, 50, or 50 for the year. Wow, that's, yeah. Huh. I might have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to I'm gonna go check it out, because like I said, Apple, Apple TV Plus, Loki has like some really interesting things on it. Well, because then, <clears throat> like the ones, the movies that we've done trailer you know, uh, trailer talks about. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that uh, a lot of those went to Apple Plus, so kind of interesting to see some of that content. Uh, next piece of news talking about uh, Guy Ritchie's next movie is uh, it's heating up. Uh, Five Guys, which will star Jason Statham as an MI6 agent recruited by a global intelligence alliance known as Five Eyes to stop the deadly sales of new weapons technology that threatens to dispute the world order. Uh, Jason Statham's in it. Ari Plaza already confirmed. Has new, two new cast members in the form of Hugh Grant, who just co-starred, who just co-starred, the gentleman. Uh, yeah, gentleman, another Guy yeah. Ritchie film. One of the that seems like so long ago, but that was last. It wasn't year. even that long ago. Yeah, it was last year. Last yeah, January. It seems like is forever. That crazy. Ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely 2020. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, Hugh Grant uh, reaching with Guy Ritchie, and also Josh Hartnett. 
Who's really? Josh Hart? What? Yeah, that Josh Hart. He's alive. He's doing stuff. What? He wasn't going to do a sequel to 40 Days and 40 Nights? Probably what? not. But... That's crazy, man. I, what the hell has he been doing? Uh, Penny Dreadful. That's about it. Serious? That's crazy, man. He was like... Remember, he was like teen heartthrob there oh, in the like he 90s, was, dude. He was like going to be the it, like Hollywood's new it guy. Dude, and you know what? I always pick these movies that I, you know, that one movie, the very underrated movie of, of the year. Movie that I really loved with him, Wicker Park. Loved it. I haven't seen it, but yeah, Josh Hart, uh, he was like, he, check he, it. he was teed up to be like Hollywood's like new, like it guy. Yeah, he was even in what? Halloween H2O, they even put him in. Halloween yeah, H2O, and he, and he yeah. was, and I think it was like, he, he, he earned it because he, he was fucking talented. Oh, for sure. He was in a ton of shit, but yeah, definitely Wicker Park put down because I, I really that was a really good one. Yeah, and then he's kind of like stopped working for a while, so much so that he he actually turned down being Batman. Like he was actually Christopher Nolan's first choice to be that's Batman cool. in the Dark Knight trilogy. Dude, that's fucking crazy. He was such a he's a good actor though. I he's really did good, like him. He's such a good actor. Yeah. I've always wanted to see him have like a big career resurgence, and maybe it's the start of that because I do miss jo- I miss Josh Hartnett. I miss seeing Josh Hartnett in things. Love the Faculty, another great one. Faculty's good. Yeah, man, I, that's crazy. That's a blast from the past, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, next piece of news we're talking about is this is this is a show I'm just finding out about, but I want to highlight it because I am actually like I really do kind of want to see it. Uh, and that's because it's go, uh, it's a sh- the show for Showtime called The First Lady. What this is going to be is it's going to be an anthology series about different first ladies throughout okay. history. Uh, they've already got um, Michelle. They already got Michelle Pfeiffer on to be Michelle Pfeiffer on to be uh, Betty Ford. <laughs> they have uh, Viola Davis on to play uh, Michelle Obama. I can't, uh, it's also going to focus on Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, it's going to focus on all the time on the White Houses. I don't think they have anybody to play Eleanor Roosevelt yet, <laughs> as far as I can see. But yeah, uh, the first lady is always a position I found. I've always found interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it's the sto- stories you never hear. Exactly, we we hear yeah. all about the president, but first ladies are things we very rarely hear about. Oh, that was a weird choice for Michelle Obama because she, I want to say she's like shorter, isn't she? She's well, she's definitely she's definitely shorter. A lot shorter. What's the age difference there? I'm curious. God, that's got to be at least because I mean, Viola Davis better. looks older. It's got to be close to twenty. It's got to be twenty, ish. So Viola is fifty-five. No, that's not twenty-ish. Uh, she's got so. Oh, that's actually not that far in age. Really, I I thought for sure. I think see Viola Davis has been around so much longer. I I, I think she's older. Yeah, uh, but uh, Michelle Obama actually older than Viola Davis. Really? Yeah, wow, that's two crazy. Years. That's crazy. But yeah, looking at this premise, and I do think it's an interesting thing. I, I also think it's good that they're probably sticking away from uh, Jackie O. Because we've kind of saw her story pretty recently, and arguably the arguably the like the most well known first lady in history, besides yeah, the, I mean, besides the Bushes. Yeah, no, I I, I would say so. It's kind of yeah. Uh, the, Showtime yeah. lately has been like pumping out like really like good quality like series because like the Good Lord Bird is one they just did recently that is actually like really good. Where um, Ethan Hawke, Lady Ethan Lady Hop- Bird Johnson. <laughs> no, uh, it's where uh, maybe she sh- she should be in this show though. Put Lady Bird Johnson yeah. in this show, but it's about yeah. uh, Ethan Hawke playing an abolitionist. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you have Showtime, right? I think you do because you, don't you have cable? Yeah, we have cable. I don't. I don't think I have Showtime though. I have uh, uh, 
HBO. I know I have HBO. We have HBO, yeah. I'm I'm curious about getting Showtime. So we'll we'll show we'll like quality show like this can encourage you to go get Showtime back. Yeah. Because for me it might. Well, no, because I mean I I really like that whole entire premise. I always was like obsessed with like learning about like things like trivia about the presidents and stuff like that. Yeah. Back like when I was younger. And uh, yeah, it's intriguing because it's like the stories you don't hear. You know, you you're so overshadowed by the president of the United States, you kind of like, you know, you forget that yeah, they they're married to somebody, and, you know, and they have a life too. And it's like, you know, what what are their some of their stories? You know, what I mean, what have they what have they experienced? You know? Yeah, I'm definitely curious about that. I do. Yeah. Find, I, I find the premise interesting. I find the actors involved fascinating. So I'm definitely yeah. going to. I definitely want do want to check this out. Yeah, for like sure. I said, they put out a lot of like really great like miniseries like this, so I I, I really do like Showtime a lot. Uh, next piece of news to talk about, we have some la- our last piece of news about uh, actor director reteams. First okay. of which is, um, first of which is uh, Ethan Hawke reteaming with his sinister director Scott Derrickson for a Blumhouse movie. This one called um, The Black Phone. Okay. Uh, what's it gonna be about? It's gonna be a play guy, John Finley, who's locked in a basement that's stained with the blood of half a dozen other murdered children. In the <laughs> cellar with him is his antique telephone. It's been disconnected, oh, but God. it rings. But which rings at night with calls from the dead. Ooh, that sounds spooky. I like it. I do like. I like it too. That sounds spooky. I like. I had goosebumps when you were describing it. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Again, yeah, I, I I do like. Uh, I, I like Sinister. I really did. Yeah. And I, despite the fact I think Scott Derrickson is being kind of a dickhead in real life, I think he's a talented dude. I like Doctor Strange a lot. I think he did a great job with Sinister. Uh, mm-hmm. He's someone Ethan Hawke is clearly comfortable with because he was actually like in talks to play Doctor Strange before um, Cumberbatch came on board. That would have been really – I think that would have been a whole different kind of character. It would have been very interesting. I, I don't think he'd do it at that time because yeah. he seems like the kind of guy who you wouldn't want to lock into a con- like a big contract like this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah crazy. Um, but yeah, you hear that premise. You hear. Um, I I, I can tell you, like, you're you're into this, right? Oh yeah, I like. I mean, you know, I mean, horror movies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I I like the whole premise of it. Yeah, and the other one. This is actually the more exciting uh, routine for me. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is set to star in another movie from his calling by your name director, Luca Guadagnino. I know both of us okay. are already, already sold right there. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be called Bones and All. It follows a young woman named. Marin Yearly, who travels across the country as she searches for the father she never met, uh, all in an attempt to understand why she has the urge to kill and eat people that love her. What? That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, uh, I think this sounds odd. It does. Uh, odd enough to go see, for sure. Yeah, uh, Taylor Russell, who starred in Waves, uh, as well as uh, Escape. I don't know why I said Escape, Escape from first, but or last, but she was in Waves, and she's excellent in Waves. Uh, is going to play, yeah. is, is in talks to uh, co-star along with Chalamet. Um, but yeah, uh, Luke Bunny, you know, he's really kind of like stepping into like this whole like genre thing because, you know, it's Suspiria, yeah. which I wasn't I wasn't huge on. I liked it okay. I wasn't huge on Suspiria. I, I watched probably like a quarter of it and I couldn't get through it. It's Yeah, it's, it's definitely like way too long. But Slow burn, yeah, for sure. Slow burn. The, the, the best parts of that movie are like the, are like the last act. I need to another one. I need to really like focus down, like you know, buckle down and watch. It was like one of those things we started it. I think like 35, 40 minutes in the movie is like it's boring. Yeah, it it, it takes a little bit to get going, but the ending is actually like pretty. Yeah. The the All ending right. is the one that kept that kept me into it. But here's the thing. So 
Uh, I will say that I I think that, but I I still find Luke Guadagnino to be an interesting filmmaker. I really do. Yeah. Uh, again, Call Me by Your Name, one of my favorite movies of the past ten years. Excellent, excellent fucking movie. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, you hear this premise, you hear uh, you know, the team involved. Are you are you excited for the next uh, team up between Luke Guadagnino and the guy who he made have sex at the beach? Yeah, I mean, it's so different from, obviously, the first one, Call Me By Your Name. So, yeah, I, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, and again, despite the fact that I think Luke, that I didn't like his last one, I like that he's taking steps in different feet, in different, you know, stepping out of his comfort zone. Like, he's making Scarface. Yeah. He's trying to make Lord of the yeah. Flies, which I think is, like, a really great combination. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we're both into this, and we'll keep an eye on that whenever it drops, or whenever you know, we get, we're moving on it. All right, so now it's time for the movie of the week. Well, it's not the movie of the week this week. We're back to reviewing television. And uh, this week we are, like we said earlier, we are back to Mandalorian. Season 2 came out last fall. Massive, massive hits. And we are back to talk about Season 2 because this is the only way I can get Russ to watch the show. <laughs> gotta make it I like homework. the wait, man. I, I'm a binge watcher. I, I like the wait and let's just you know knock it all out at once. So uh, yeah, you, 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 you're the problem. You're the problem. This is why Disney does it the way they do. But you know what? We're not gonna get into that. What we are gonna get into though uh, is this show, and we have a great guest talk about this today. Uh, we, we gotta do this one in threes. Usually, we'll see. We'll see about next about next season. But uh, yeah, this is this person. This guest is someone I, I've gotten to know very well over the last year, and I'm so happy I did because she's awesome. She's a massive, massive Star Wars fan. It's Laura Kelly. Laura, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited. Another opportunity to talk about Mandalorian. I will never turn that down. And also to hang out with Chance. It's and, been great. And yeah, it's been you a fun were, year. It has been a fun year. And yeah, this is uh, your, actually our first guest of the year. We haven't had anybody else on the podcast until now. So yeah, so this, this is good times. Uh, so yeah, so before we go into season two, I just want to ask you, because you know, Russell and I, we went at length about season one, last season with Alex Damon on our whole guest timber slate. And so, you know, I want you to give us your, you know, your, your brief thoughts about season one. I imagine you're a fan. I imagine you're a fan. But, you know, just give us like, your brief uh, thoughts on the first season of Mandalorian. The first season of Mandalorian. Yes. Before we get to uh, season two. Yeah, I know that makes sense. I no, I I enjoyed the first season of Mandalorian a lot. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it because just the like general concept of like a show about a Mandalorian like does not at all sound appealing to me on its surface. But really? I really, really, you know, I, I think it was, you know, Baby Yoda was a huge factor in that. Um, and then with that component, I sort of slowly fell in love with Din Djarin as a character and his journey and sort of getting on board with that. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed Taika Waititi as as IG uh, 80, not, not 80, IG 11 or whatever. In, it's, in it's, another, it's another, you know, double set of numbers. So you're close. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, so the, the humor component that he brought to the series, I thought was amazing. Um, and I really enjoyed, uh, I actually really enjoyed Bryce Dallas Howard's episode last season. I was kind of hoping that we might be like revisiting that, Din Djarin Omera like relationship at some point in season two and that didn't come back and that's fine uh so maybe season three we'll see maybe. but I, I enjoyed that episode overall too um but overall I think I got a lot more of a thrill out of season two season one was solid as hell though yeah um and maybe his maybe lady might come back in later seasons as, as we call her on this show the maybe lady might come back I hope she comes <laughs> back I, 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 I liked her uh but yeah so season one ended off with a good, a good enough cliffhanger. We found out that you know Din had to go take this baby out to go. Like, hey, you gotta go find this guy's people. Just go do your thing. 
And we also found out that Jacques Cosposito is in possession of the... Moff Gideon. I'll I'll say his name because I respect him enough. Moff Gideon is in possession of the Darksaber, which was... That was the big tease. Everyone was like, oh, shit. And then Russell was like, what is that? Because he had... uh, uh, He was... We had to explain what that meant and why that was significant in this show. But coming into season two, I remember the hype for this was... It was huge because it was like the premier Disney Plus show coming back and... Yeah, once again, huge hits. I'm assuming they don't release their numbers, but I'm assuming it's a huge hit. Everyone's talking about this show. And so, yeah, let's not waste any more time. So, like, this is, this is going to go like we did last time. We're going to go episode by episode. I'll give a brief summary of what happens in the show. And then, you know, we'll just go, we'll all go back and forth and you know, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, you know, MVPs, favorite scenes, all that, all that jazz. Uh, so, yeah, we started off with the next, with chapter nine. Uh, this one's called The Marshal. Uh, it opens up with, uh, we meet our two favorites. But buddy cop duo, the the better version of cop and a half, Star Wars cop and a half. <laughs> Dan, Dan and Baby Yoda, they're at a fighting ring. <laughs> they talk to this dude like they're trying to find other people of his kind. He's trying to find other Mandalorians because he thinks that they can lead him, to, you know, point him in the right direction. Uh, the guy that he sees is actually voiced by John Leguizamo. I'm like, I while I was watching, I'm like, I know that voice. I know that voice, but I, I can't thinking, place it. I kept thinking for some reason that it was John Favreau. Like, I did not pick up on the fact that it was John Linguizama until yeah. after I saw the credits. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm like, look no at that. Shit. Okay. So, yeah, he's just like, okay. So, uh, after, you know, a brief fight, just to remind you how badass Din Djarin is when he's not getting his ass kicked, uh, he's like, okay, you know what? It's on Tatooine. He's like, motherfucker, I just, I just got back from there. Damn it, fine. Baby Yoda, get in the car. We're going back to Tatooine. <laughs> they go back. We, he meets uh, Amy Sedaris. What, what is her name? <laughs> Polly Pago, it starts with a P. Couldn't pa- tell pa- Polly Pocket. <laughs> she, she, maybe yes. Polly Pocket back on Tatooine. And we find out that there is like this like old mining town that was just like nobody lives there anymore. Moss Pelgo is like, yeah, um, like, I haven't heard that in a long time. Nobody, nobody goes there. No one lives there anymore. Uh, he goes, there are people living there. It's like a small, like, if you think, if you think most Isley wasn't shit, Moss Pelgo, <laughs> Moss Pelgo makes most Isley like Coruscant. Like there is nothing <laughs> in this goddamn town. So, so he go, he goes to town and he's like, I'm looking for I'm looking for, the, I'm looking for someone who looks like me. Then in comes someone wearing armor that looks strangely like Boba Fett. It's not strange; it looks exactly like Boba Fett, right down to the right down to the bullet wound in the head. And everyone's like, Oh shit, is this Boba Fett? And then he takes off his helmet, and no, it's maybe someone better because we got Timothy Oliphant, a guy who seemingly gets seemingly gets more handsome as he gets older. I swear, one day he's gonna be like, "Hey, he's gonna reach like peak handsome," and then like the world's gonna like <laughs> collapse in on itself. So we find out this is not this is in fact not Boba Fett. This is a guy named Cobb Vanth. He bought this armor off some Jawas, which easy enough to explain. And <laughs> they're about to have a shootout when they realize, "Oh shit!" There's this like massive crate dragon that's fucking up our stuff. Okay, so fine, make your deal. You, you help me kill this thing, I will give you this armor back. And so they do it. They they ban with the sand people. They ban with the town. They go and fight this crate dragon, a really exciting fight, we can talk about later. Uh, they do it, he gives the armor back, and then he just goes on his merry way. But that's not all. Uh, the closing shot of this episode, uh, you see this, like, this bald, scarred-up figure in the distance, cloaked. You, they zoom out, and it's Tamwara Morrison. They, like, you, and that's when you realize, oh, this is Boba Fett. He's alive. He somehow survived getting eaten by a Sarlacc, which is something we all speculate, we all hoped for, for years after seeing Return of the Jedi. But it's confirmed. It's canon. He is alive. 
and he looks pissed. But that's could be that's because because Tim Aaron Morrison has like perpetual like I'm pissed off face. <laughs> he really does. He plays it well. <laughs> but yeah, so when when I was watching this episode, I just I kind of realized like halfway through, I'm like, oh, so this is basically just Sanctuary again. Only with Timothy Olyphant as Gina Carano, which would have been an upgrade, even if Gina Carano wasn't Gina Carano. Uh, so, Russell, as a, you know, someone who was holding off on this episode and you know, holding off on the show in general, being this his first big step back into this world, what did you think of this episode? Oh, I mean, what a way to throw you right in. I mean, this crate dragon, it's like Star Wars version of Tremors almost, you know what I mean? Um I mean, this thing's huge, and, you know, it obviously takes Mando and Cobb trying to convince the people that, listen, like, we need everybody all hands on deck for this. I mean, it's, it's a way to throw you right into season two. I mean, I, I, I love it. I I thought it was a fun episode. Yeah, so, uh, Laura, what did you think? Um, I really enjoyed this first episode. I do remember thinking, I wonder if this is going to be end up being, like, the least favorite episode of this season, because I also remember thinking that it was a little bit like Sanctuary. It had some of those vibes. Um, especially in sort of the the pattern of the way the story went. Um, but the Kray Dragon was really cool. That creature ended up being much bigger than what I ever would have imagined because we see a skeleton of one in A New Hope, and then we yeah, also see another skeleton like, of one in the Clone Wars I film. guess that was like a baby or... Yeah, I guess they were they were the the little ones. This was the the daddy crate dragon because yeah. it was huge. Uh, Cobb Banth was a really interesting add to the story. We heard we heard some rumors leading up to this season that he was going to be making an appearance, and I I feel like I wrote that off because I'm like, wait, you're going to take a character from the aftermath book trilogy and bring that that's the one that you're going to choose that's crazy that why would they bring in that character? but i thought it worked super well i thought timothy oliphant killed it i really hope that we see him again in this show i would love to see him come back and then i also have a really funny note i went back and looked at all my notes that i took while i was watching this season and i actually wrote what is dank ferrick is that a swear oh it is and they keep using that brain had no idea (laughs) i want to say they dropped that in like every episode this season Oh, I'm pretty sure they did. If yeah, not it kept most. coming back. But that was the first one, and I was like, "Wait, what? What? What does that mean?" <laughs> so yeah, it was a fun one. This is great. But yeah, no, I, I really, like, I love Timothy Oliphant and just about everything. And funny, funny enough, like I did, I did tweet like a thread out a while back of like actors I wanted to see in a Star Wars, and then like not long after that, it was announced that he was cast. I'm like, yes. <laughs> And yeah, I think it's I think he was an ideal cast for this because he's a dude who put he plays a lot of lawmen in in just movies and television like within Deadwood or Justified. He's always playing like some kind of sheriff. So, yeah, I do think that he's I do do think that he's excellent. And yeah, I I think you can also really tell like I'm not I'm not sure this is a thing that happened, but it looks like it looks like they really upped the budget for this show this season. They definitely did. They I have a friend who works on like visual effects, and he was like, "They have so many people working on the show that weren't working on it last season. It's insane. It's gonna. They're like really gonna blow it out of the water with visual effects this year. Just wait." I was like, "Oh yay!" Yeah, because these are maybe the best effects I've ever seen in a television show. Oh, it looks like you're watching a movie. I it mean, does. that's what I was telling my uh, friend Ryan, who's staying with us. We I, we actually just I just finished the uh, last episode before recording, and that's what he was saying. It was like it's like literally they there's like no budget for this thing. This thing's like oh, you know do what you want to do. It's Star Wars. You know what I mean? I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I imagine keep the budget close to Jess because a lot of this is just like we're filming in a garage in Burbank, so yeah, you could you can do <laughs> we, we we save a lot that way, but no, yeah, I do think this was a great way to introduce us back into the world and. Yeah, and it does play. I mean, yes, it played like classic, like Sanctuary, but that does 
in itself is just a, a motif or, or a play on motif of like classic westerns where like a guy just comes to a town and then he just you know he's like okay fine you need my help i will help you out and it's a thing that keeps coming back and we will talk about it later in the show later you know we get to later episodes but uh yeah uh, a great introduction i did love the teaser because i think I know this is probably going to be a hard thing to keep secret, but I remember hearing about Tamora Morrison coming back, and there's a lot of speculation, like, what's, like is it going to be Captain Rex? Is it going to be Boba Fett? What's going on? Is it going to be both? That would have been sweet. I would love to see a scene between the two of them. Um, but, yeah, I remember seeing Boba Fett again. I'm just like, because growing up, he was one of my favorite, one of, one of, if not my favorite, Star Wars character. So seeing him, like, oh, first of all, hey, what they did to Tim Turn of the Jedi, I'm just like, oh, damn, that's that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But my, it was always... It wasn't canon anymore, but like in the books, he survived. I couldn't tell you what book. That's what Laura's for. But uh, I knew he, I knew he survived in the books. I'm like, they should just carry that over, and they did, and I'm happy about it. And I would be much much happier in later episodes of the season. So before we close out with um, uh, the marshal, you know, I want to go around. So uh, you know, as as we do, you know, we're gonna talk about our favorite scene of the entire thing and who we think is our MVP of the episode. Uh, so, Laura, I'll start with you. What, what was your favorite scene of the, of the Marshal? Who do you think is the MVP of the episode? I mean, I think Cobb Vanth is definitely the MVP of the episode. He was really, like, I mean, he, the character was such a fan favorite. And I love that, like, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me that there are, like, my sister knows who Cobb Vanth is. And, like, I I only know who Cobb Vanth is, like, from the book. And it's, like, the it's such this weird thing that, like, now she suddenly knows who that character is in the Star Wars universe. It's just weird. So I'm really happy they brought him in. I think he killed it. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite scene. I do remember it just being so memorable, seeing the crate jack and vomit. <laughs> like, it was... Just, and then finding out, like, oh, no, but the vomit is acidic. Like, acid. they just kept upping the ante. <laughs> so that was... Uh, I thought that was... It was kind of fun. It was crazy. All right. Uh, Russell, I'm going to you next. My MVP, I, this is going to be a cop-out, but Mando and Cobb, because I feel like they're the one-two combo in this. Um, I do love Cobb's addition to the whole entire, you know, the Mandalorian story. And I guess, like, the memorable thing is when uh, Mando's flying out of the crate Dragon and, and hits the thing and blows it up. I think that was kind of cool. Um, kind of what Laura said. I just I, I just like the whole crate Dragon thing. I think, you know, it's this big, massive dragon, and um, a lot of the action scenes involve it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I mean, Cobb is the real MVP, but I'm going to throw a big shout-out to John Favreau. This is actually the first episode, surprisingly, the first episode he's directed this show. He's a massive creative yeah. force behind it, so he decided to step behind the camera to you know, reintroduce us back into the season. I thought he did a... John Favreau's a great director, and this is kind of like... This is one of his own. This is his own he's kind of pioneered for Disney. He's like, starting with Jungle Book. He's like been really good at like making... He's like huge-scale projects in like this in what is essentially like a very small space, so give him a lot of credit for that. Uh... Favorite scene for me, uh, I actually really like the way they portrayed Cobb Vance's backstory. To where, like, you know, he's, you know, he's off, he's doing, he's doing his thing. Like, he's celebrating the <laughs> the blow up of the second Death Star, which I guess is being live streamed across the universe. I don't know <laughs> who's 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 <laughs> filming this. I'm not. I'm Somebody not, filmed it, so there you go. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to question it, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And then just you know, seeing everything go down with that, I thought was. That was really interesting, and it's, it's you really understand the character. And like you, like you said, Laura, I really hope this is somebody who we do see come back, mostly because I just like seeing Timothy Oliphant and things. So yes, bring him back. Uh, and moving on, uh, we go to the next episode. This is chapter ten, the passenger. So uh, Din, Din's off. He's got his he's got his crate dragon meat. He's got his armor back. 
He's got he's got Boba Fett Summers back. He's going back. He's go, he's going back to his ship, and he's like, okay, you know what? I where was he going? <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. He wasn't going anywhere, but he found out from Polly Pocket, Amy Sedaris, that there's a passenger <laughs> who says she's seen people like him on her planet. Uh, someone who is she doesn't get a name. She's only known as Frog Lady. I think she's credited as Frog Lady also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> Frog Lady, <laughs> she's like, okay, look. Oh, look, just take just take her to just take her to her planets and take her eggs. Problem is, you can't do light speed. Why? Because she has eggs. And and so yeah, uh, you do that. <laughs> think, uh, eggs will become a hotbed of controversy in this show, which we will which we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to go, he has to go off and he has to take this this passenger with her egg back to the planet, try and find the Mandalorian. So they're doing that. Uh, it's not easy, mostly because they can't use light speed. But they, uh, between the New Republic guys getting on their asses to Baby Yoda just seeing this like crate of eggs, me like, <laughs> I want one of those. Food. Uh, <laughs> uh, they end up crashing on this ice planet that is. It's I, it's not Hoth. I know it's not Hoth, but whatever. I don't know what it's called, but it's definitely not Hoth. That's what we call it. Spider Hoth. We'll call it that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to which, like, <laughs> they, they they crash there. They can't leave. And then, like, the frog lady uses the droid rolled by Richard, by Richard Ayoade from last episode, the prison break one, to talk about, hey, yo, Mando, get off your ass. We need to go. <laughs> He's like, okay, fine. I'll fix the ship. To then sh- and she wanders off. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, you're telling this dude to fix the ship. Like, I need to be safe. And then you're going to run off with your eggs like a moron? Yeah, and go have a spa day. Yeah, go yeah, to the you're going to go hot tub it's, when it's you sauna. <laughs> uh, so yeah, big mistake because they, she walks into a cave full of spiders, which would have been fine if Baby Yoda didn't have such an affinity for eggs. He's like, ooh, more food, and <laughs> starts to eat the spi- these spiders' eggs, and then this like whole like crop of like giant if, you, if you're an arachnophobic this might be the most terrifying scene in star wars for like you know that tweet that's going around like name a star wars moment lose your head like rent free if you're arachnophobic this is the moment for you <laughs> seeing <Yep>. an <laughs> army of like alien spiders coming after you so it's crazy how one it, crazy how he opens one egg and it just leads to like a domino falling like a <laughs> domino effect all these other ones popping open you know it's like god damn it baby yoda what you do like I'm, I'm about to smack you if you weren't so cute i'd smack you <laughs> but so, they, so they're, they're, they're fighting all these giant spires. Things look all things look like all is lost. But then the two New Republic X wings show up, save the day. One played by Dave Filoni, the other played by I forgot this guy's name, but I know he's on. Oh, he's on that Kim's show. Kim's Convenience. Netflix. Kim's Convenience. I don't know this guy's name, but he's on Kim's Convenience. Uh, not not a, not a good sign. But he's but he's awesome in this show. <laughs> so I, do, I should learn his name. Uh, which, but which, by the way, these like. As like these are supposed to be the good guys, they're assholes too. <laughs> because just like, hey, uh, you might help me out with the ship. Uh, I, I, like, okay, we're not gonna arrest you. Okay, cool. Want to help me out? Okay, how about we're not gonna arrest you? We're just gonna leave you here to die like a dick. Like, wow. Yeah, it's it's freezing cold. We're yeah. not gonna help. It's you. freezing cold. Your ship's yeah. busted. So, good luck. <laughs> and they just leave. <laughs> we're just like, wow, <laughs> asshole. Cops are dicks in all universes, apparently. <laughs> yes, a, 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 a cab even, even in Star Wars. <laughs> Got to keep it consistent, I guess. <laughs> Consistency. <laughs> so, but he managed to get the ship fixed, and they go off. They're like, okay, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but we're gonna, we, we, we can do this. All right, so 
Uh, something I want to talk about, like, first off, right off the bat, before we get into anything. I didn't think this episode, or this show would ever be a, con- a, a hotbed of controversy. Not only that, I never thought this character would be a hotbed of controversy. But lo and behold, we have Egg Gates. Because throughout <laughs> this entire show, Baby Yoda is just going around eating this woman's children. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I watched this and just like, oh my god, like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mean, I get it. Like, he's a kid. He's a baby. And, uh, and I didn't... Like, once good. or twice, I kind of would have gotten the joke. But the fact they that they just, like, him. kept going yeah. at it over and over again, I'm just like, look, anybody that you would have pissed off the first two times, now they are raging. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jesus. You could have, like, pumped the brakes and just done it twice and it would have been fine. But even at, the, like, the very last scene of the episode, we had to cut back to him sneaking one more. One more. Second. <laughs> He's like, she, 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 she ain't watching. Right. This lady, for, for also, she does not notice... For some reason, she, kid, ca- she, she does not her notice her kids are missing. No. <laughs> they get to her planet, huh? Guess why I have more of these. When there's so many <laughs> eggs in there, I guess it's like, well, three. Three ain't going to hurt anybody. Yeah, she's, she's not going to notice three. Nah, three's good. Guess not. Yeah, but like that was the first That was the first time first of all, I realized, like, wow, Baby Yoda can kind of be a, so- a psychopath. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it started with it started with Chuck and Gina Carano in the, la- in the last episode of season, well, season one. It continued with this, like, wow. <laughs> Baby Yoda's kind of a, can be kind of a jerk, but I do like the fact that they're actually like portraying him as like a kid. The point where yeah. like you have to tell him like, "Hey, don't do that." Yeah, well, Din Djarin's not without fault in this situation too. I mean, he needed to feed that kid more. Yes. Like you saw what he did on on whatever planet is where he met Gina Carano. Like he was eating frogs and shit. Like you got to get this kid some sustenance. Feed feed feed, feed your kids. That's like, he's a growing baby. He's a growing baby. Feed feed your kids. Uh, but yeah, so starting it off, I think this is this is the weakest episode of the season, at least in my opinion. And I think that with episodes like this, I, I think playing being week to week goes against it because, like, again, this is a strength that okay, granted, I think this is a superior release strategy. I think Disney knows this for losing week to week. But I think that a thing that like binging has over it, and I think Russell, you might dis- you might since you did binge it, you might disagree. I think that a benefit binging has, like, if you have, like, a episode that's, like, it's, like, not as good as the rest, you can kind of shrug yeah. it off, and you can well, kind of easier. Move on. It's easier to look in your rear mirror, yeah. It's, yeah, exactly, whereas, like, you're watching this week to week, like me yeah. and Laura did, you're like, okay, that was good, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of I want a little more, but I do I do think this is very good. I think that, I, I think that this is more of a character-building episode, and again, something that season one taught me, and taught us, that you can't take anything for face value. Because like there's some episodes that I said that about season one, and they did come back in season two. So maybe maybe Frog Lady will come back. Maybe Baby Yoda's egg habit will be talked about later. Who knows? <laughs> maybe he'll get some help. Maybe <laughs> maybe the spiders will come back. Maybe the spiders know. will come back. Maybe he'll get help. I don't know. But but Laura, what do you think of this episode? Do you agree, or what? What do you think? Um, I, I think I would agree with the sentiment that it was the weakest. I don't think it was a bad episode. No. Um, I, I as much as I'm not a big a big spider fan. Um, it, it went a little hard for me in the same way that like Chamber of Secrets went a little hard and doubling down with the with the spider content. It was a lot, it, but it was exciting and scary and fun. Um, and these creatures looked very similar to creatures that we saw in Star Wars Rebels. They weren't exactly the same species, but something kind of similar. So I sort of enjoyed that connection there um, of bringing them back in. But I think when it comes to these episodes that don't really move the plot forward as much, we're just kind of on like a local adventure. 
we're not really getting anywhere with it. I, that Those are the episodes I tend to have a little bit of a problem with. I had the sort of same problem overall with, with the first episode of this season, too. Like, he just kind of rolls in and gets caught up in local drama, and we don't really move forward very much. Um, and I tend to get a little bit frustrated with that, especially given that, yes, we are watching it one episode every week. When the episode's only 30 minutes, like, I'm getting really annoyed because I'm just like, God damn, like, I just... I wanted content and you're only giving me like 20 minutes of content after all of the like intro outro credit and stuff. Uh, so yeah, wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but I, I don't by any means think it was bad because I don't think this is a bad show at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do agree. And like, yeah, especially because we only get like eight of these a year. So just like, you exactly. really got to use your time wisely, which they do after this. I will give them credit. They do use it after this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that this is a little, Slow, slow to the jump. But Russell, what did you think of uh, what? What did you think of the heiress? I'm not the heiress. Oh, that's the next one. What did you think of the passenger? passenger? Um, yeah, kind of what you guys, echo what you guys said. Yeah, I mean, it's like a slower moving episode, but I mean, it's far from a bad episode. You know, if you're going to consider this a, the the worst episode, I mean, it's still good in any other you know episode's eyes. But um, no, it, I think it was fine. Like, yeah, kind of what Laura said. You know, yeah, they kind of do muddle around a little bit, but I think that's just to set the table for the later later stages, the later episodes and stuff like that. Uh, benefit of what I get to do, like with binging it. Yeah, it's like, well, it's thirty minutes, and then let's go to the next one. You know what I mean? Like, let's kind of get that one out of our way, and, and then on to the heiress. I mean, we're you know obviously we'll talk about that, but. Yeah, it's it's far from a perfect episode, but it's fun. And, was, I mean, I, I liked it enough. So was was Edgate worth the controversy? Uh, I just think we really overplayed that. It kind of reminded me of like um, Buddy the Elf uh, swallowing cotton balls type thing. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, we get it. You know what was, I mean? Was, like, was that, was that you, a thing? You're acting like a child, you know? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, was, was there controversy on that? Was there cancel Buddy the Elf? Uh, Did I just miss that? I, I guess I meant like you know childish yeah, yeah, yeah. behavior. I mean, it's like we get it. You know, you're you're acting like a child. Um, I, I think they kind of hit the. I think they just kind of beat the horse too many times with that. I mean, I think with the first two times, it's like we get it. Ha ha, you know. And then it's yeah, it's like crazy after that. We don't need to see it anymore. There's a very fine line between funny and absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah. So going so going around the table. Uh, Favorite moment and MVP. I, I, for me, I think MVP is hard. I, 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 even though I don't know his name, I kind of want to say it's Guy from Kim's Convenience. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, did, I did like him, but I, did, I also give this one to Jit to Din because much like with Gunslinger last season, when you have like a weaker episode, you need like a, char- a strong character to kind of anchor that, and that's kind of like when Din. That's kind of like when Din shines the most when like there is. When like he needs to, like carry an episode because not much is happening, so I will say I will say Din's my MVP. Uh, favorite scene for me is the the chase sequence when they're landing on the planets, because I think that again like the way just the way it's shot, the way it's edited, just the effects. Like we said, like the 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 effects look so so incredible this season, I, and I think that it was just a, like a well well executed chase, which is a thing that would happen a couple times this season. So yeah, that's it for me. Uh, Russell, what about you? Uh, favorite moments and MVP of the episode? Favorite moment, I like the spider chase. Yeah, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it kind of reminds you of those action movies where, you know, they're running from the bad guys or they're running like, you know, they got to hurry up. Are they going to make it? Are they going to get caught or whatever, you know? It's kind of fun. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess kind of like a slower episode like that. That's the only like big action sequence that, and like what you mentioned with the, uh, the uh, X, or was it the X Wing? Yeah, the X Wing. Yeah, X Wing. Um, 
chasing them and forcing them to land on the ice planet. I mean, those are the two biggest action scenes in the in the uh, episode. Yeah, my MVP is Mando too, because like kind of what you said, it's one of those things where it's like when you have a slower episode, you have to have somebody you know bringing in the the uh, action or you know the entertainment factor, and I think Mando does that. Um, and really, Mando's like pretty much you know, like the majority of the doing everything in this episode anyway. So it's kind of a no no brainer why he's not the MVP. <laughs> he's do, he's doing everything, so of course. Yeah, he is. I mean he's really. I mean realistically, I mean he's he is the episode. So it's like yeah. All right, uh, Laura, f- uh, favorite moment of the episode and uh, MVP. Uh, my favorite moment in the episode is right at the beginning, um, and it's after the whole sequence happens with the bounty hunters that are after the child, and mm. man- the Mandalorian crashes the speeder, and him and Baby Yoda both go flying off of it. And there's a scene that happens shortly after that where the Baby Yoda like runs to Din Djarin, and he like bends over to pick him up, and I- that scene will just replay in my head forever because it is so damn cute, and I just love it. So I, I really enjoyed kind of overall in this season more of the movement that they sort of had and more of the character that they brought to baby yoda and that was sort of a key moment for me i really enjoyed it um my mvp i'm gonna go off on uh, gonna go off the rails here and say amy sedaris so oh, nice. all of you haters out there that don't like this character in this show you can uh fuck off because i'm a big amy sedaris fan i love what she's bringing to the show she's bringing this sort of like funny weirdly modern humor to this to, to the star wars universe and i'm i'm just overall i'm really enjoying it she's got all of the stuff about like leaving the meat rare and you know vouching for frog lady when she clearly does not does know her at all yeah yeah and i just i like what the energy that she brings to this show so i'm going mvp amy sedaris i do like i do like amy sedaris on this show i think she, i think she's funny and i just like amy sedaris in general i do too all right, so moving on to the next episode, we have Chapter 11, The Heiress. Uh, so they they drive their just like rinky-dink, just taped, duct-taped Razor Crest <laughs> all the way back to Frog Lady's Planet. They almost get there without crashing, but they end up crashing. <laughs> Naturally. Like, they get right there, and then this Mon Calamari guy wearing Chris Evans' sweater from Knives Out. <laughs> he's, like, he's just like, okay, let's see what you can do. And he just watches them crash like a dick. He's like, wow. Asshole. Yep. And then they get fished out by a thing which I, I don't know maybe, maybe it's just I, I swear it looks like an AT an ATAT with like it's like made to look like a crane or made to work like a crane. Uh, so they fi- they find Frog Lady's husband. The husband also does not notice that several of his kids are missing. <laughs> just write it off. It's yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's fine. We can, we, we can write, counted, man. Nobody we, counted. We can write it off our tax. It's fine. Yeah. Uh. Again, he's looking for people who look like him. And so this guy who runs a cargo boat, a fi- he owns a fishing boat. He offers, like, he's like, hey, I know where these are. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take you there. Trust me. You can trust me. So they go, and we find out that, no, he cannot trust him because he tries to feed Baby Yoda to, like, this water sarlacc thing. I'm not sure what this, I'm not sure what this is, but it's scary. It looks, you know, it looks like the Kraken from Dead Man's Chest. But in Star yeah. Wars, Mama Core apparently That's what Mom- they're called. That's a oh. new creature, I think. Okay, cool. Uh, still, you don't try to feed Baby Yoda that thing. So, nope. <laughs> Din, like the good dad that he is, dives in to try to save him. Uh, but then they lock the cage above him, and who comes to save him? More Mandalorians. But are they Mandalorians? Because they take their helmets off, and the main uh, being led by. Why am I blanking on her name? Don't tell me, Bo-Katan. Bo Katan. Okay. Bo-Katan. <laughs> Bo-Katan, played by Katie Sackhoff in a 
questionable wig, but it's Katie Sacco, so we're not so we're not going <laughs> to complain. Seriously, that wig is just, that wig is just weird. Just give her a dye job. <laughs> Can't admit that couldn't could have looked couldn't have looked worse than this. Uh, so we find out that you know, so Russell, as someone who's not tapped into the universe, when because this is a big deal. Yeah, I'm not sure if you knew that or not. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, Laura, since you're, you know, you're, you're into this, you, you, you know the things. So why don't you uh, give Russell a brief uh, explanation of who, Bo- who exactly Bo-Katan is? So Bo-Katan Kreese is the sister of Duchess Satine Kreese, who was the ruler of Mandalore during the Clone Wars, and she was a pacifist. And so she was a big leader in this sort of pacifist movement um, of this, you know, species of warrior, the Mandalorians, who are known for being violent, angry warriors. Um, so Satine was a big character. She was also the love interest of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. So she was a huge character. And we have Bo-Katan, her sister, who was always sort of the warrior of the family. They were always sort of on opposite sides. Um, but we do eventually kind of see, I think, them kind of fighting together, or at least sort of on the same side by the end of it. Um, but Bo-Katan was voiced by Katie Sackhoff in the Clone Wars television series. So this was a really, really cool move to actually get to see this character brought to life in real life by Katie Sackhoff. And I just like lost my mind when she rolled up. Cause as soon as we see her on this boat in this, like this, you know, creature having to save it dive in and save baby Yoda, I knew exactly who it was. Cause the armor is so spot on to what she looked like in Star Wars Rebels and in, in her animated form in the Clone Wars. Um, it, it was so, so satisfying. It was just amazing. Loved it. No, yeah, I think I think the look is dead on. Aside from the wig, I think the look is dead on. I think and I think like, it was a good, a good move to cast it because I think Katie Sackhoff looks enough like the drawn version of the character, the point where she could play this character in live action. Like, if they wanted to bring... Uh, Admiral Callus, the guy David Ayala voices in Clone Wars to life. It's like that's not <laughs> that casting's not going to work because those they're two very different looking humans. But something like this, I'm like, yeah, you know, you you, you could do this, and yeah, I do think that bringing him with a smart move. And by her side, you have Sasha Banks and a guy who I'm pretty sure I saw an episode of Game of Thrones. I can't remember. That sounds right. Um, maybe maybe he was on there. Probably I don't know. But <laughs> uh, we find out that uh, they're actually different. The, the show does a good job of building Mandalorian culture as well because we find out that they're that Din was raised by a different sect of Mandalorian to where like they never take their helmets off. They're really like hardcore Mandalorian culture. And you're like, no, this is the way, and this is the way. But you, you talk about people who aren't don't follow that. We're just like, like this is the way. Or really? Can, can we just do this? Because yeah, like they're a sect that they call like Children of the Watch, which is funny because I think wasn't Bo-Katan part of like Death Watch. She was, yeah. yes, indeed. So, like, yeah, it's a, it's a whole, like, sect of a thing that she was a part of back then. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's actually a really interesting way to tie this in. It shows that Mandalorian society maybe didn't have too long, regard- war or not, maybe they didn't have too long, because they are, they seem, they, they can't seem to agree on anything. But, so, like, they, they, they decide that, they get, okay, we've seen someone like this, we think we can point you in the right direction. But you got to do us a favor. This whole first couple episodes, just Din doing a series of favors for people. He crashes on a planet. He, they need a favor. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm here. Why not? So there's this Empire cargo ship that they need. That, that has weapons on it that they need to try. And they're trying to take back their homeland, essentially. Because Mandal- the Mandal- something happened on Mandalore. We still don't know what. I, I think they, call it, they talk about it in the first season, like the Night of a Thousand Tears or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, th- there was also the Great Purge. 
Uh, so something happened where they, they lost the planet and they're trying to take it back. So they got to go and like just steal this ship. Uh, the ship, the ship itself. Well, first of all, he leaves Baby Yoda with uh, Frog Lady and her husband. Maybe not the best idea. <laughs> I wondered about that too. I was like, "Oop, that's questionable." But like, I shouldn't uh, be surprised that Din Djarin is making questionable choices when it comes to parenting. But look, uh, the, the eggs are at least hatching. Baby Yoda looks like he wants to eat these things, but the eggs are at least hatching. <laughs> and uh, there's somebody watching the eggs too. And there's someone watching twenty four seven. That's always a good thing. Uh, they go on to the ship. The ship itself is commanded by smoke monster from Lost, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and there's on. It's just them trying to. It, it's kind of like an old like stagecoach robbery, or like an old like train robbery, where they're going on to try and like fight everybody on board. We get a somewhat unintentionally hilarious scene, <laughs> which is like, okay, I need to throw these bombs. Like, just stay right here. I got an idea, and he just runs out into blaster fire. Like it, it, it plays a little bit like a Jerry Lewis, like a Jerry Lewis short, but I, I did kind of like it. I did find it funny, and they they get to the cockpit. They decide to take the you know, you know what? Forget the weapons. We're taking the whole ship. It's like I didn't sign up for this. It's like look, just 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 help us, man. Look, we're, we're almost done. Just come on, come on. <laughs> and so they they get to the cockpit, and then but the Empire does not lose ship. So they try and cra- just like <laughs> just suicide bomb this thing into the ocean. Uh, they get into the cockpit. They try to stop it, and Bo-Katan's like, "Okay, where is he? Like, where's Moff Gideon? Like, does he does he have it? Because she's looking for the dark saber. Which I know you remember this, Russell, but the dark saber essentially gives whoever holds it the right to rule Mandalore. It's kind of like a symbol of like Mandalorian yeah. royalty. They started ex- they started to explain that more as they the, did. Uh, they did explain as that in the season. season two went on. I kind of picked up on it. Yeah. Whereas like in first season, like like Jaka has a black lightsaber. Isn't that sweet? It's like yeah. That's that's all, yeah. They they do go a little bit more. They in do, depth so on, which, I, which I like. Yeah, so she, so it's like, he's like, hey, you you ain't getting off this live. He pops maybe the most hardcore sign I'd ever seen. Like, I, I like the way he just like has to like crack that pill and then just like shock himself in the neck. I'm like, wow, I, I think I'd rather get shot at that, at that point. <laughs> at least it's quick. Yeah. But uh, they get the ship and he's and Bogotan's like, okay, look, thank you. Here's now here's what you need to do. Go to such and such planet. There you'll find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her Bo-Katan sent you. You're good. And everyone everyone who just a fan of just the Clone Wars and that character just freaked out at that name mention alone. Where it's like, oh my God, is it happening? This happened next week? It didn't happen next week, but it's happening. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they picked up Baby Yoda. He sees the ship that Mon Calamari did not fix by the fact that he paid him. Again, bastard. And then they just go on their merry way. So, uh, Russell, I'll start, I'll start, I'm sorry, I'll start with Laura this time. What were your thoughts on The Heiress? Um, at the time, this was my favorite episode of this season, and I think still it is my second favorite. Really? Wow. Um, this was, we, we got half, a quarter of the way through the season and only had one woman speak in the entire show. Um, so I was really, really kind of raring to see like a little bit more than like just just Dinjarin and just dudes in the show. And boy, did they deliver because getting to see Bo-Katan in real life when I I think this is another one. We sort of had some clues that it was coming. There were maybe some rumors of this casting that it had I, happened. I, I remember rumors about this one. Yeah, yeah. So it, it wasn't that much of a surprise, but I was just blown away by how well it worked. It was one of those things where I'm just like, I really never thought as like a big Star Wars animation fan. I really never thought that I would ever see Bo-Katan 
and live action. It just didn't ever, it just didn't seem like a thing that would realistically ever happen. So this was really, really mind blowing to get to see. Um, I'm still like giddy about it, honestly, when I think about it. So I, I overall really, really, really enjoyed this episode. I thought all the stuff that happened on the, the ship that they were trying to steal with the Imperials, I just overall, I felt like start to finish, it was a really well done, well-rounded story. Um, and I was super excited to see that Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode. Um, at the time, it was my my favorite one, so I was that was that was great. That was satisfying. Yeah, at the time, I I, I remember not hearing she was coming back. So I'm like, okay, maybe maybe she's not gonna direct an episode. Then found out she directed this. I'm like, oh, that's cool, because yeah, and I do think that she did. And again, I did like Sanctuary from last season, but I do think this was a better a better put together episode than the last one, just because you know, I think she's able to play with environments where she's able to like put together more elaborate sequences in this one and yeah I do think that even though it's just like a train robbery it's something we haven't seen in this show quite yet so I do like that kind of variety and yeah Katie Sackhoff was she, she, she's great I mean you expect her to be great because she had several seasons to voice this character but you know it's bringing that to live action is such a different experience than it would be with just, with just voicing it which I know is difficult in its own right but this is just a completely different thing and yeah, she continues to be just one of just be be a genre queen in her own right, and yeah, I really liked seeing her in this episode. Uh, Russell, what did you think of the heiress? I mean, out of the first two episodes, I think this one's obviously the, the better of the three. I think um, I just like the action. I like how you know engaging you know Bryce Dallas Howard makes the episode. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's it's a fun episode. Like I said, there's more more action in it. and I think that really you know the episode goes by rather quickly as opposed to the other other two maybe drag a little bit yeah no, I, I, I do agree and it's, this, one, this one moves and like I said that, la- that last tease I'm like yes and like I said didn't happen next week but it happened and we'll, and we'll get there in a bit but yeah so uh, uh, going to uh, uh, Russell this time going to uh, MVP and favorite moment of the episode I'd say Bo-Katan, uh, and I, th- that goes into my favorite scene is when the you know the, her and the other two uh, Mandalorians come down and, and pretty much you know save Mando's ass. I think that was fun. I thought it was really cool because like you like at the time when I'm watching, I'm like, well, who's gonna save him? Like he's like screwed, you know? What I mean, he's like in a in a bad situation, and then all of a sudden you see these other three ma- in Mandalorian armor. You're like, wow, this is like you know they're going. It's it's crazy. It's like it's really cool. So you. I'd say Bo-Katan and, and the other two, I guess, would be the uh, MVPs because I thought it was kind of cool to see everybody. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy because it was like they were just at the right place at the right time because you think Mando and you know Baby Yoda are done. and yeah, We were just, pass- we, to, we were just passing know. over and we saw things going wrong. What's up? Yeah, yeah. we saw the distress <laughs> signal. I mean, I don't know. I, I just thought it was really cool. And I'm like, wow, it was, it's just really cool to see you know other Mandalorians. So I thought it was kind of cool. All right, or uh, Mandalorian armor, I should say, or whatever. No, but, but these are like legit Mandalorians, so yeah, they count. Uh, Laura, what about you? Uh, MVP and favorite moment of the episode? Yeah, I don't know if I can argue with the with Katie Sackhoff and and Bo Katan being the MVP. I think that I think that's the given for me. Um, favorite scene was probably on the boat where the minute they roll up and we see the armor and she pulls off her helmet and she looks exactly what she's supposed to look like and sounds exactly what she's supposed to look like. And it was, I still to this day, I'm just like mind blown. It just where I, I don't know if there's ever a situation where it will work as well as it worked in this particular episode of bringing a, an animated character to life in this way. I don't see it ever going more successfully 
than it did in this one. Maybe it will, and I'll be I'll I'll get to you know be surprised at some point when that happens again, inevitably. But this was this really took the cake for me. Yeah, I mean, Bogotan is the the easy choice. A favorite scene for me. Again, I I love I love Din Djarin getting shot like a million times, and nothing happening. That's uh, that that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> maybe intentionally, maybe maybe not. But I did I did like that moment. Uh, so yeah, moving on to the next episode. Uh, we have the siege, chapter twelve, the siege. We open up with a, a really funny bit, just like right off the bat. We're just, been, <laughs> just Jin trying to tell BBO to fix the ship. It's like, okay, put the red wire where the blue wire goes. <laughs> put the red wire where the blue wire, go. and then he just <laughs> he just blows himself up. <laughs> See, that's but one of the most of the entire show. I think I think that's just one that I just think about all the time because I, I just find I just find it funny. Uh, they land back on Navarro. Uh, where they meet up with uh, Grief Karg, everyone's favorite, and Cara Dune, everyone's not favorite. Least favorite. Yes, <laughs> least favorite now. Uh, they 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 get they get into town. They need they need the ship fixed. The Razor Crest is still in pretty bad shape, so they need it fixed before they can go to whatever planet they need to go to to find Ahsoka Tano. And it's like, well, Mandel, while you're here, we could use a favor. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. So he does Baby Yoda off at school uh, to where I want to talk about this real quick. Uh, if you th- like, look, I, ge- I guess this is a time for Baby Yoda to just, like rebel. Again, he's basically, I, ge- I guess he's a teenager. Cause if he's 800 and he's an old man, is, is, if he's in his 50s, is he a teenager? Because they're just kid in his class. He's eating with these space macarons. <laughs> he's like, Baby Yoda's like, can I have, can, like, he pulls in a point. I'm like, give me one of your tots. He's like, no, they're mine. <laughs> yeah. get, your, get your own. <laughs> And he had he just, plenty to share too. That's the other thing. He had plenty to share. There, what man. a douche! And he pay, and he yeah. paid for it too. Baby Yoda just like jacks it. He just jacks the whole roll. And he's like, "What? What now, son of a bitch?" <laughs> As he's just sitting there nibbling on him, he's like, "You should have gave it to him, man. He and wanted like, one." I would not have been mad if they did the whole like thug life in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, how do you say no to that face? He clearly wanted one. How do you say no to that? I'm like, okay. When I saw the hang I'm like, okay, he's either going to choke this kid out or he's going to steal these cookies. (laughs) And I I wouldn't be mad if he started choking this kid out. (laughs) Uh, So so anyways, the the favor they need from him this week is that there is this former Imperial, like, testing facility. It's the last remnant of the Empire in Navarro. Once they do that, they're free. There's like, okay, look, just help us clear this out. You're going to be here for a while anyway, so you may as well do something. Come with me. Come with Gina Cara. Come with Cara Dune. Come with Horatio Sands, who's alive now, who's working off mm-hmm. his debts. Or he was, he was always alive, but he's not frozen to carbonate anymore. Uh, they, go, they, go, they go on to this facility, and they, they start clearing it out. And then we see this is the, this <coughs> the I guess you could point to this as one of the episodes that kind of feeds the bigger narrative of the show. Because this has, we, we get we do get a hint as to what the Empire exactly wants with Baby Yoda. Uh, we get a we get to see a video message from the scientist who kind of like saved his life in the first season. Don't don't ask me this guy's name because I couldn't tell you. Per- Pershing, yeah, Pershing, Pershing. Pershing yeah. Thank you. Uh, we find out that they that the thing they need from him is his blood, and then in the background there's like these like cloning experiments. So that guy, that just got, that just opened up a lot of doors. Like, is this what they need? Like, do they need him? Are they trying to clone Palpatine? Are they trying to clone, make like little Snokes and pickle jars? Like, what are they, what are they doing here? That gives like our first like big, you know, hence what's, you know, the, the bigger scene, the bigger like thing of this. But then reinforcements show up and they have 
Uh, they have a chase through the canyon. And it's a lava river, so you know that shit's going to be intense. Uh, so they go in. They destroy the thing. Uh, you know, they have uh, Grief Karga, Cara Dune, and Horatio Sands in this, like, what looks like a minivan, but, like, way more badass, going yep. through the canyon. And then, like, it looks like they're about to be screwed by TIE Fighters. And then Din Djarin and the Razor Crest shows up. Baby Yoda with the, the space macarons. He gets sick because I guess that's what happens when you steal macarons from a stranger. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's karma, I guess. Yep. And then they go off on their way, and everything's good, or is it? Because it turns out one of the guys working on his ship was working with the Empire. Uh, they pl- they plan a, tra- a tracer on the ship, and then the, and they're just gonna follow. They're just gonna follow him to wherever he goes. Now we see that the the entities of this, there was like something in. There was like things in pods. I couldn't tell if they were like soldiers or droids. We found out later what they were. They found out they were droids, but like at the time, the college for, uh, no, and again, another thing for cause for a lot of speculation. So, uh, Laura, I'll start with you again this time. What did you think of uh, Chapter Twelve, the siege? Um, I remember being really impatient with this episode to really just get it over with because I knew that Ahsoka Tano was coming. We had the hint in, in the heiress in the last chapter and I just wanted to get to that. So, you know, I was naturally, I was a little bit annoyed to have to watch Cara Dune's face for the rest of this episode when all I wanted to see was Ahsoka. Um, that's, that's so this, this episode was a little bit slow for me. Um, I do think that it was, it was well done. I, we would later learn that gr- they had a uh, grief cargo himself. Um, Carl, Weathers. Carl Weathers directed this episode. And I think this was like, this may have been his directorial debut. If I recall I th- correctly, I think he's directed TV before. Like, okay. He directed, he's, he's mostly worked in TV, but okay. Well, he, I thought he knocked it out of the park with this. There's a really great balance of humor in this episode. I think they did a really good job of balancing it with, and really keeping it like to classic sort of star Wars humor. Um, and I think that the, uh, the Snokes in a Tank thing is going to end up being part of the bigger picture of this show. And so I think it was really cool to finally get a little bit of a hint of, like, what are they actually building towards? Because I know that there was an interview really early on, even before the show premiered, where John Favreau talked about how we're going to be seeing the sort of early development of the First Order in this show. And I think that's maybe what we were we were leaning towards um, with this episode and with the, the you know revisiting the scientist and being back in this lab and everything. So overall, a little bit slower for me, but mostly just due to my own impatience. Yeah, I understand. And yeah, if you, if you, if you hear like a Sokotani expector next week, I expect her next week. I'll admit it. But uh, but they did give me some cool things. Like I said, I do, I do think Carl Weathers did a great job directing this one, especially that chasing in the canyon. That's probably my favorite. I'll, I'll tell you about it. That's my favorite scene of the entire scene of the entire episode. Because like it, it was very, I like the whole boots on the ground thing. Again, the humor I, I did like when like one of the stormtroopers because they suck just immediately crashed for the crash before the chase even started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was very like Mad Max Fury Road esque, and I love Mad Max Fury Road, so I did really enjoy what he did with that chase sequence. But uh, Russell, what did you think of what did you think of uh, this episode? Yeah, I kind of go with Laura again. Um, I think it did move a little bit slower. Um, I thought Carl Weathers did a good job directing it, though. Um, but overall, it was far from the action that you kind of expect in these in these uh, shows. 
Um, and I, I kind of side with you, Chance, with the uh, the chase scene. I think is probably the most action packed scene in in the episode. So that's the most, I mean, the most fun that you have watching it. But I mean, I get it. You're trying to build the backstory and everything. It, it is kind of cool to figure out, you know, find out what they're doing with like Baby Yoda's blood. Um, I think that's kind of cool. And then just to see what they're working with. I mean, obviously, kind of what you guys said, obviously, to elude what's going to maybe happen later on down the road. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. We get maybe our first allusion to midichlorians that we have seen since uh, the Phantom the Phantom Menace. Didn't they say something with like 10M or something like they, that? They said, they we, said we, M. It's hard they to find a donor with a higher M count. count. The M count, and I figured it was midichlorians. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, yeah. They can't say the word because it's, I, I mean, no one, want, no one wants to hear that word ever again. That's what I figured that they were talking about though when I heard M counts. Yes, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They can't say midichlorians out loud because that's if you want. Look, you want a fan base on your show, bring that up. You're done. Like, <laughs> just retire. <laughs> Go home. So much, so much hatred on that, huh? Yeah, and the, when we eventually look at the Phantom Menace, we will talk about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do think that. The thing I do like about this episode, the fact that it did feed into the larger narrative. Like again, like, I'm still thinking about what those jars are. Like you got, you got to assume it's going to be like, like you said, Laura. It's feeding into the, what the genesis of the first order. So it's got to be either the the, the Snoke's or trying to make them force sensitive, or just, like the failed attempts to bring back Palpatine. They look a little bit like Snoke. Maybe I should be projecting my own images onto that. But uh, I do think that's another thing I do like about these episodes or about this one in particular. So. Uh, going around the horn, uh, Russell, uh, MVP and favorite moment. Again, a slower episode, MVP. I'm boring with these, but I, I started to get better at the back end of these episodes. I had Mando um, just because, again, it was one of those episodes where he's basically in it the most and like he does the most of the of the heavy lifting in this in this episode. So I, I, I said Mando was the MVP. I do I do switch it up coming on down the uh, down the road here for some uh, MVPs. I oh, promise. Boy. I didn't want to make I didn't want to make it boring with Mando, 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 Mando. You know what I mean? Like I was really trying to um, and I know we're all have the same one for uh, this next episode, but I <laughs> I wanted to try to get as, you know, different as I possibly could, but I have Mando on this one. I mean Michael Michael Bean, obviously. Spoiler, but um, uh, yeah, I'm, this, this for me actually I'm going to go MVP for me I'm going to go with uh, Carl Weathers just as an actor and as a director for this one. I feel like he did and and it, it, you know, he does an excellent job of both. Uh, just like like we said, the balance of humor and just like the way he's orchestrated these sequences, the way he's able to like like he has a great he has a great sense of tone in this episode. Granted, there's still a guy with jeans <laughs> in the, one of the hallway fights, but that's on the editor, it's not on him. It's also on like some random grip who decided to ruin a shot. <laughs> Dish, but <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be for me. MVP is Carl Weathers, and yeah, like I said, favorite favorite moment is going to be the chase scene. I do think that was in. I think it was an excellent sequence. Uh, Laura, MVP and favorite moment. Uh, my MVP, I'm going to go Dr. Pershing. And I, I have this headcanon that he's going to end up being a sort of Galen Erso type of character. I sort of get, and we kind of get these vibes a little bit later, but I kind of get the idea that I get the feeling that he's going to like fully flip on the Empire and just completely abandon all of his connections to them because I have a feeling that he's like genuinely a good person and doesn't maybe really have a full understanding of exactly what he's doing. He's just wanting to like advance science or something. Like I'm projecting a ton of stuff onto this character who's only in this episode for like two minutes, but I just really like who he is as a character. So I was excited to see him back. Um, 
favorite moment in the episode, I have to go with um, Baby Yoda throwing up on the Razor Crest and then Mando using his cape to wipe the spit up off of the baby's face. It was cute. It was just a really cute, really small moment that I really appreciated and just thought was really fun. <laughs> so, so you have like a really big thing for dad moments on this show. Yes, I'm. I'm really into to Daddy Dinjarin. It's it's a good when, time. <laughs> when, when, when he's when he's being a good father, that's what, exactly. And not yeah, leaving and not leaving my heart. and not leaving his son with people whose kids he's trying to eat. Yes. <laughs> uh, moving on to next next episode, Chapter Thirteen, The Jedi. As soon as we saw as soon as we saw the tower, it's going to be a Sokotano. I mean, I thought they were going to like build and like not reveal her until like the halfway point of the episode. Nope. First scene. Rosera Dawson showing up. She is Ahsoka Tano. She is here, and she looks awesome. Yeah. 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 Like, like the th- the thing you felt with, and we'll get into it. Later, the thing you felt with Bo-Katan, that's what I felt with Ahsoka Tano. Like, I just love the translation for her live action. We'll, we'll get into that. So she's there. She's trying to like terrorize this town for some reason. We don't know why. Uh, being terrorized by this woman who I don't know her name. I know she's a martial artist, and she's consulting like a lot of, like lightsaber battles on this show. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, the, I don't know the actress's name. Morgan Elspeth is the character's name. Yeah, uh, but she, uh, she, she's not like an actress. I think she's like a martial artist first. Yeah. Uh, uh, like a stunt coordinator first. Uh, we've also <laughs> seen that her sidekick is Michael Bean, to which I didn't, I didn't recognize him at first. And like, I, the more I saw him, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that Kyle Reese from Terminator? No shit. Cause I, I knew he was on the show, but I, for, I forgot. I, I didn't know when he was going to pop up. So he's singing like, and I like Michael Bean, so I like seeing him pop up. So he gets, so they get to this town, or they they land on this planet, they get to this town, and then that's where Din meets what's her name again? Uh, Morgan Elspeth. Morgan, Sorry, El- Morgan like, Elspeth. Uh, Ahsoka Tano. Not her. <laughs> no, he hasn't met her yet. I know, I know her name, mostly. But again, he's just like, okay, look, I'm looking for, I'm looking for Ahsoka Tano. It's like, okay, look. I will pay. I, okay, fine. You want to go find your mom killer? That's on you. I can pay you because she has a spear of pure Beskar, which this is this is where like Beskar becomes the miracle metal. And we'll yeah. get into why <laughs> we'll get into why later. <laughs> so it's like, look, I'll give you this spear if you go and find her and kill her. It's like, all right, fine. He does that, and that's when he meets Ahsoka Tano. And that's what, like I said, it becomes the miracle metal because Beskar, as far as we know, the only substance in the Star Wars universe that can deflect the lightsaber. Like, honestly, this stuff is way more impressive than I thought it was when I first saw it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of like vibranium where, like, okay, it's not vibranium where it can do whatever you tell it to do, but it is, it's durable, which I think is impressive. It also just gives him an edge in fights later, in later episodes, which, again, which we'll, we'll get into later. But she meets him, and then, like, as you would expect, the second she sees Baby, she sees baby Yoda, she's like, oh, my God. I knew one of I knew one of those things, maybe two. I don't I don't know if Yaddle disappeared or not. I I, I think I saw her once. But, but anyways, they have this whole like f- like you know like force mind melt thing, and that's where we get the reveal. We finally we can stop calling him Baby Yoda. We can retire that name. We find out his name is Grogu, which I'll admit took some getting used to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah okay. All right, I, I can I can roll with this, mm-hmm. but we do get his backstory. So we find out that he was actually at the temple, like he was being trained there. But then when Order sixty six happened, somebody helped him. Somebody got him out of there. We don't know who. It's not mentioned, and he his memory is just hazy after that. 
but uh, but again, this is the first time we get a big candid to Groku's backstory. <laughs> yeah, again, it took some getting used to. I was watching the show too, and so we find out that the whole reason Sokotano is going after this town is the fact that sh- there is information that she has that Morgan has that she wants. So it's like, look, help, look, help me, and I will consider training, which she doesn't want to do because there's a scene where she tries to help him, but she sees that. She's kind of not. He's not corrupted, but he's susceptible to things like attachment, which is not good for the Jedi. We learned that in three movies that for some reason attachment is not a good thing. Uh, but they're they're all, they're, all, they're all hypocrites and they died anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like, look, just just help me with this. I, you've been do, I, you did favors for five hours. I've I've been watching I've been watching Disney Plus. Okay, I've seen you do favors for the last five episodes. You can do this. It's like fine. So they go and they try to take they try to take this town. Uh, they go. They go in. They're doing it. They're fighting these, these like security guard droids, and then we get two showdowns. One between Din Djarin and Michael Bean, and the other between uh, Ahsoka and uh, Morgan. Uh, Ahsoka's going. They're fu- they're fighting. She's about to take him, and then she's j- and then we find out like what she wants. She's just like, okay, like where is your master? I'm like, oh, I wonder who her master is. And she says, where is Grad Admiral Thrawn? A reveal, I'm sure Russell was just like, oh, who? I've heard the name. I, honestly, I've heard the name. I just I couldn't tell you. All right, Laura, take it away. <clears throat> so Grand Admiral Thrawn is a character that they brought in from Star Wars Legends. Um, and I believe his story in Legends took place like after Return of the Jedi. When they decided to bring him into the canon, they brought him in and set him in like an earlier time period. So we're introduced to him in Star Wars Rebels. Um, I believe in season three, beginning of season three, um, around the same time they released a Thrawn novel. So we got a little bit of backstory of the sort of reintroduction of Thrawn into the canon. Um, But basically he is working for the Empire and he's a brilliant strategic mind. So think like, like Sherlock Holmes in the Navy in Star Wars um, is really kind of the best description I have for him. And it's it's sort of in a way where he's almost invaluable. Like he's, he's really, really hard to beat. Um, and we see what happens to him at the end of star Wars rebels, which is taking place a year before a new hope, which is 10 years before this or no more than that. I think, um, I don't know around 10 years, 10 to 15 years before where we are in the Mandalorian. Um, we're basically he, his ship, like all of the windows get blown out of it. And a bunch of space whales latch onto it, and then they jump to hyperspace. And it's sort of a big question of like, how the hell did anybody survive that? But clearly he did because now we're, we're yeah, 15 I've, years later. I've, I've, I've heard I've heard that ending. I, I'm not I'm not caught up on Rebels yet. I'm working on it, but I've, I've heard that ending. I still don't fully understand it, but I'm no, I'm maybe I will when I get there. It's I don't one know. of those things you really have to see to believe i'm not really giving it the justice when i say he gets sucked into hyperspace by space whales that's really just kind of the general uh situation that happens but clearly he survives somehow because now ahsoka was looking for him and that is basically what people are thinking that the premise of this new ahsoka live action show is going to be um is the continuation of that search so uh it was an interesting name uh name call out for this for this particular type of show because he is such a well-known character in sort of Star Wars Legends, but bringing him into the canon was a really big deal, but also not really a big deal that reached the sort of general Star Wars audience. It was much more focused on, like, 
people who were watching animation. So now that we're sort of bringing him into the foray for a larger audience, it's just things are getting very exciting. That was like that, that was the main like because I hadn't watched Rebels until until I just started it, and, and that was my like main, main go. I'm just like okay, I need to watch this show. Cause I need to figure out what is. I need to be ready for this when it drops. So. Yeah, going on this episode, first thing I want to talk about um, is Rosario Dawson and Ahsoka Tano. I think the casting is spot on. I think the look is great. I think that the performance is there. And like like I said, the way you feel about Bo-Katan, uh, the way she was translated, that's how I feel about Ahsoka Tano because like, she was, I remember she was a character like, every, like nobody liked when she came in the Clone Wars movie, which understandable when you watch the Clone Wars movie because she's not she, she's, she's not great to start off with but as the show goes on and you like spend more time with her she gets better and this is this, this episode is written and directed by Dave Filoni who like this is like this has kind of been like his pet project since he came on to Star Wars introducing Ahsoka Tano and like making her like as big of a character she is and she, like the way they've evolved that character I think that I think it's like massively impressive and I do think that I I really love the introduction of the translation of it. Uh, you know, Laura, as someone who is a, fe- a fellow, you know, big animation buff uh, for Lucasfilm, what did you think of the translation of Ahsoka Tano to the show? You know, I really didn't. I didn't hate it. And I, I was really surprised how much um, I think I, I, th- I was surprised at how much controversy there was over this in terms of her look. A lot of really? people bitching about how her like the sort of head tails and montrals that she has this like, you know, the headdress looking oh, thing that she has on. Cause they were like shorter. Weren't, yeah. That they weren't long enough. And I'm like, I, you know, that's the thing though. You have to really, you have to understand that they were like, they had to have her doing stunts, you know, like you and can't just have those things swinging around and getting in the way. Maybe, like maybe she had like, it totally, maybe she found like a space salon or something. I don't know. Sure. Like, no, yeah. like, it totally just made sense to me that they would have to be made shorter. It would made sense to me that the voice wasn't going to sound the same. This was always going to be a different interpretation of the character that we are used to and that we grew up with and that we saw grow up from the Clone Wars through Rebels through now. It was never going to be the same. So I, I kind of, I was really surprised by how sort of annoyed people seemed by the the overall look of her. I thought they killed it. The I mean the the white lightsabers, the way that those things looked and lit up were just it was it was fully mind-blowing. I mean like the, the the pleasure that I got out of the Bo-Katan episode and how she looked, I I got a lot of that out of this too. I really really appreciated how they brought this character to life and I really liked that they allowed Dave Filoni to write and direct this episode because you're right chance this is ahsoka is his baby like she she needs to sort of stay in his realm in order to be brought to life i think properly so i I think that that was a good move to to make sure that she stayed with him and they didn't bring her back again this season because he you know he didn't direct or write any of the other episodes it was just this one for him yeah 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 and i do think that I, i also think like a big like kind of yeah, probably people's grievance with this probably because it's not actually voicing, it's not actually playing a live action, which okay, this I kind of I do kind of understand to a point. I do understand the choice to move away from Ashley. I do, I can promise you she was considered for this, but I do think that with the portrayal where like she's older and she, you know, she's older and she's you know a little more seasoned, you need someone with that kind of gravitas, which. And you need someone who has a little more background in live action acting, which I know Ashley Eckstein has. I've seen all her episodes of That's So Raven. But <laughs> when you can get Rosario Dawson, who actually looks a lot like the character in animation, you get Rosario Dawson. And yeah, and I don't know 
if like bringing a, a white actress in to play this character who really kind of always seemed like she should probably be played by some, a person she of should, color. Hey, I, I always thought Isaac was black. I'll admit it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what the general impression I think a lot of people had. Or, and I think a lot of people, like women of color in particular, like really identified with Ahsoka Tano um, in the Clone Wars and in Rebels and really embraced that character in a big way. So I think it would have been a little bit strange to go the route of casting a white actress. I also, I don't know how much live action stuff Ashley Eckstein has done in the last 20 years. I mean, yeah. it really hasn't been a lot. And I, I agree. I think you really, you really needed a seasoned performer, one who has experience doing this kind of stunt work um, in real life. I know that she wasn't doing the stunts herself. Right, but, but like, so, someone you know, who has experience like acting ex- aside, like other people, exactly. like taking direction. And hey, uh, Rosario Dawson, she's, 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 she has experience and she can, exactly. she can pull it off and hashtag orange lives matter. Uh, Russell, what do you think? What did you think about episode about chapter thirteen, the Jedi? Well, I enjoyed it. Um, obviously, the talk of it—I I didn't know who they were talking about. That I realized I knew who it was once I saw her. I recognized her, right, um, from the Clone because I did watch. You the did watch the movie. Wars movie. I watched the Clone Wars movie. Yeah, I did. I don't watch the all the TV shit, like the spinoffs and all that other stuff. But I did recognize her when I saw her, and I just thought she was really cool. And I thought she looked ex- exactly like the character. So, kind of what you said, Chance. I think she, you know, I think she was perfect cast as Ahsoka. So, um, yeah. And um, it was just, it was a really good episode. It really puts you in the driver's seat right at the beginning of it, which I appreciated. I, it I, really I, starts off with a bang. I'd, I'd make that homework, but I don't logistically know how I'd we'd do an entire like, show in one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's something I'll t- sign you in the future. Who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, I think we're all pretty much unanimous on the MVP. Michael Bean, obviously. Yeah, yeah duh. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll go around uh, favorite moment. Uh, Laura, what's your, what's your favorite moment in this episode? Um, so I made a note at the very beginning of the episode because there's a there's a big fight sequence going on with Ahsoka Tano and her two lightsabers, and I made a note that her her fighting style has been modified, and I questioned if that was really a work of bringing the character to live action or if there is going to be some sort of plot driven reason as to why she isn't using the backhand style right. of fighting that she uses in the Clone Wars um, and even in Rebels. So I, I was a little bit thrown off by that. But then the fact that they brought that in at the very last minute in this episode and basically used it to throw Morgan Elsbeth off her game because this is obviously a fighting style she's not familiar with, I thought that was a really brilliant way to bring that back. And I really appreciated that they didn't fully abandon the sort of backhand style of Ahsoka's fighting because it it's very much a signature thing for her. Um, so that very end moment, the very end of their sort of fight where she takes down Morgan Elizabeth, although not literally, because I, my assumption is that that character's still alive. We didn't see her die, so I don't think she's actually dead. Anyone who um, did see her die, there's a chance she could come back as we see in the next episode. We'll get to it. Exactly, yeah. Even if you do see someone die, that they may not stay dead. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely my favorite moment in the series, and yeah, or in the in the show, and by far, Ahsoka Tano MVP for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did, I did like that. I believe uh, it's called Shoto. Her her fight style when you go like the backhand the, with the sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, of, yeah, uh, my my favorite moment of the entire episode is that is that final fight because like what what was what is Star Wars like an homage to? It's westerns and samurai, where you have like the western fight going on between uh, Din Djarin and Michael Bean going on outside, and inside you have like the samurai fight going on between the two of them, and 
yeah, I just like capping it off with that reveal of like, where's Grand Admiral? Thaw? I'm like, fuck yes, Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch. I know Lars Mikkelsen would be great too, but Benedict Cumberbatch, please. I love, I love that guy. No way, what? Lars Mikkelsen. That is the only option. It's he's li- he is literally not, but the Cumberbatch is right there. He's down the street filming Doctor Strange too. He's down the hall. Maybe we'll see. But uh, yeah, Russell, favorite uh, moment of the episode. I say the beginning of the way it kicked off. I liked it, like because because I didn't know the like I knew the I well, actually I didn't know the name, but I, I knew who she was. Um, and then I'm I'm trying to figure out okay who the hell is this? Like I see the lightsabers and everything like that. So the reveal at the at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, oh shit, I know who that is. You know what I mean? I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and obviously, what you said, Chance, I like the ending too, where you have two fights going on, one outside, one inside. I thought it was kind of cool. But I say the opening uh, scene a little bit more just because of the fact it was like. Who is it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Because, like, for somebody who's not, like, yeah, I, you know, I watch Star Wars. I dabble in it, but I'm not as, you know what I mean, engulfed by it. You're not in the know. I'm not in the know, but I, I know, I know, okay. You know what I mean? I'm like, I know enough. You know what I mean? I just don't know. There's tons of stuff I don't know, but I do know, you know, I dabble with a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'd say the beginning scene for, for me is my favorite. And the MVP, obviously, of Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Ahsoka's awesome. And she's getting getting her own show now, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, Likewise. I really can't imagine what it must be like. Like, my mind's a little bit blown of having seen Ahsoka Tano only in the Clone Wars movie and then going to this as her, <laughs> the next time you see her. Like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. wild to me how much of, like, a mind fuck that must have been because there's well, so much that happens. Yeah, like, because it's one of those things where it's like, I remember her. Like, obviously, she has that distinct look that you remember. You know what I mean? So when I saw her on the screen, it wasn't one of those things where it was like, oh, I never saw her. It was like, yeah, I, I knew who it was. You know what I mean? It was kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Uh, so going on to the next episode, the tragedy. So I forgot to mention, the last episode ended with Ahsoka Tano telling uh, Din, like, okay, look, go to this planet, place Grogu on this rock. If there's a Jedi out there that can train him, he'll hear the signal, and he'll go and find him. So they go to that planet, he places him on the rock, nothing happens, like, Grogu, do your thing. Come on. <laughs> uh, then he's like, okay, nothing's happening. Uh, but the end, something needs to happen because a ship shows up and he doesn't know who it is. We know, well, I know who it is. I knew who it was, believe it Because it was, yeah, obviously. I, 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 believe, I, believe, I believe you, Russell. <laughs> I mean, I knew it because I've, I've seen that ship. I've seen that ship in my dreams, in my memories, and in various cartoons and other media since I was a boy, <laughs> since I was a wee lad. Uh, <laughs> so he's like, okay. Uh, and then the magic force thing starts happening. So like, okay, fine, you 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 do your thing. And he can't snap him out of it. So like, okay, fine, you do your thing. I'm gonna go deal with this. And yes, it is Boba Fett. It's Slave One. Boba Fett is back. He's like, you Mandalorian. I want my armor. Not your armor. My armor. <laughs> I'm from Space New Zealand, and I want my stuff. <laughs> and so he's just like, <laughs> he's like, okay, look. He's like, oh, look, we don't have to fight. So he's like, I see you wearing Beskar. Well, I got a, I got a, I got a loaded gun pointed right now. He's like, okay, fine, you fine, shoot me. It's not gonna happen. Like, it's not pointed at you. And you hear like, remember Mando? I never miss. And we're like, wait a minute, is that Ming Na Wen? <laughs> Fennec from the from the last from the last season? Like, you're alive? How did this happen? Yeah, we find out that both that the whole end tag with like a person, like a dark cloaked figure with spurs walking towards her, was in fact Boba Fett. That's a lot of speculation. Boba Fett, he found her. He gave her metal abs. And he's like, well, you know what? Now I'm I'm palling with palling around with you from now on, which, again, like I said earlier, you can't take anything to show at face value. The first season showed us that when we when when we talked about the first season, and that episode in particular, we were just like, why would you bring Ming Na Wen in? 
who's amazing, by the way. <laughs> Why would you bring her in for one episode and just kill her off? Seems like a waste. Turns out it wasn't a waste. It was trying to set up bigger things. And thank God, because I like, like I said, I like me seeing Ming-Na Wen and things. Uh, so they, so they like, look, all I want is Rebecca. I don't, we don't, no one has to die until someone has to die. The stormtroopers show up because, like I said, they're tracking Din Djarin's ship. And then it's just a fight to try and protect Grogu. It's kind of like, like in a video game where, like, you have, like, one guy who's like, like, like okay, I'm going to hack the computer. It's going to take some time, and they know we're here. So just, like, guard me, and we can, and we can do this. So they go along, and they're doing this. They're fighting. They're, do, they're doing pretty well because, again, Stormtroopers, they did not get better. There's a, there's a reason the Empire lost the war. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're sh- their aim is still god-awful. <laughs> Could be right in front of you, and it's it's still too far away. Man, these guys yep. are elusive. Man. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so they're going along. They're fighting. All hope seems lost, and and then we see we see it. What happens? Samora Morrison, Boba Fett gets his armor back. He put he slaps that bad boy on. Doesn't feel like it used to, but doesn't matter because we see Boba Fett just go in and wreck shit like we have what we wanted to see on screen for so long. But it doesn't matter because. Uh, Moff Gideon's upside is like, you know what? Send in the Dark Troopers. And you know what? Fuck your Razor Crest. And he just shoots it and blows the thing up. <laughs> so, so Boba Fett goes to try and rescue Grogu. He's like, okay, I'm, like, I'm going to get him. It's like, oh, the Star Destroyer? Never mind. Peace out. <laughs> the Empire seems to not give a fuck about him. Like, <laughs> this, this, this is why things go bad for you. You don't, you don't go all the way. You cut corners. <laughs> bad. Uh, so... We find out that we find out that this armor does like rightfully belong to him. It's in, his whole like genetic family tree is encoded in the armor, so it does belong to him. It's rightfully his. Uh, his dad, his it what did belong to his dad. Maybe there's kind of thing Clone Wars contradicts, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so, but he's like, you know what? I promised if you give me the armor back. I see the child's back safe. The child's not back safe, so I'm gonna help you get him back. Uh, they then go back to Navarro, back to Gina Carano. All right. Uh, and we find out it's like okay, we, I need a dossier on somebody, on somebody in your system. Uh, Mayfeld, Bill Burr is coming back to the show, I guess. Not so, not the person I thought would come back from that episode, but maybe he'll be useful. And then we see the final scene. It's it's Moff Gideon. It's Giancarlo Pito talking shit to a Muppet, where he gets down and he's just like, like oh, you're so good with the Force, but it makes you so so sleepy. Pull out the dark saber, like Are you, oh, you want you want to play with this, don't you? You want to maybe like cut me in half? You can't do it. And then he just like he just stuns him. He was like, ah! "No." <laughs> <laughs> Any t- anytime anything bad has a baby out of you, just you, you just shed a little tear. Yeah. Uh, and then they have the episode. The episode they're gathering a crew to save baby to save Grogu. I, I keep going, baby Yoda, but the guy to save Grogu. <coughs> and that's where we're going to the next episode. So, uh, Russell, th- what were your thoughts on this episode? No, I, I was really excited to see Boba Fett come back. I kind of figured he was coming back because I, I don't know, either I heard it on Twitter or I saw Facebook posts and stuff like that. So kind of like that didn't really ruin it for me because I only it's only a matter of time before you get Boba Fett back. You know what I mean? Um, but I thought it was cool. Like I was it was really cool to watch him wreck house and uh, just kind of like the um, the kind of like the bond, like not like the bond, but you know, like the teamwork that that, that him and Manda have together. It's kind of cool, you know what I mean? Because they're kind of two different, uh, you know, two different uh, Mandalorians, and I think it was really kind of cool. But no, this episode, like I said, I don't know if it was the runtime was short or uh, not, but there was so much action in it that it this this was another episode that really flew by quickly 
for me, at least. Yeah, I know. And uh, this one was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who it makes sense to bring him on this show because, again, this is a dude who like made a living filming things in his garage. So you, you feel like this is kind of like the biggest version of that. So you feel like he brought it home, and he did because the, like, he puts together some great action sequences. He does a great job with scale. Yeah. There's a great job with character in this episode. Like, I do think that, you know, like, you, there's, like, so much that you can just just confirm, like, how people, it's, like, act with each other. Like, I love the whole, dynamic, the whole like, new dynamic between Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, who's becoming, like, a really big character now, because I think she's in the Bad Batch show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she is. She, is. she will be when that show eventually comes out. I would love to know when that's happening. We still don't know. At some point, it's going to happen. She's going to be in it. It's going to be great. But, yeah, I, li- yeah, I like that. Uh, and yeah, seeing Boba Fett throw down in that way, like I again, like Boba Fett was one of my favorite characters. It's not my favorite character growing up, just because I love the look of the guy, and I've always wanted to see him like throw down like this. Because the last we saw of him, he was getting accidentally thrown into a Sarlacc pit because that movie was made for kids, and <laughs> yeah, for some reason. Uh, but yeah, just seeing him throw down, just seeing just how badass of a character he can be when given the proper treatment. Like this is the character we've always wanted to see portrayed on screen. And I am so happy Tamara Morrison got to come back and do this. I mean, I mean, if could Dan, could you brought back Daniel Logan to do this? Actually, I don't know if you could because he, he might be too young. No, he's definitely too young. No, you couldn't have brought yeah. him back. But it would have been nice. But yeah, I do think that is doing a good job bringing back characters from the. That seems something that you're seemingly doing with Disney Plus is bringing back characters and actors who like maybe got a shaft in the prequels. Like to like, okay, you know, we're gonna come back to where you can really do it, given some. No offense, George Lucas. Some proper writing and direction. <laughs> then you're going to be good, man. No, that's fair. <laughs> but uh, Russell, your thoughts on... Uh, not Russell. Uh, Laura, thoughts on The Tragedy, which is a fitting episode, a fitting title, considering how this ends. Uh, I do remember being very confused by the the name of the <laughs> this title of this episode because as soon as the Razor Crest blew up, I was like, so help me God, if that is why this episode is named The Tragedy... I swear to God, like, I thought for sure that's what it was going to be. Um, needless to say, I was wrong. But overall, I really enjoyed this episode much more so than I ever would have imagined because I've always been kind of, don't hate me, Chance, but I've always kind of been on, like, Team Boba Fett sucks. Uh. Like, I just don't, like, I never really understood the appeal. I mean, he was he was annoying in, in the original trilogy. He was annoying in the prequels. <laughs> he was annoying in the, in the Clone Wars. So I just really never had any, I, I never felt any attachment whatsoever to that character. And I always thought that he was just way overblown. Um, but I, I remember this was the first time I ever actually got to, to really see how cool Boba Fett was. Um, I, I think they really, really killed it in this and bringing him back. They, they had to go big. There was no way they were going to get away with doing this. Number one, with a different actor, and number two, in anything re- resembling subtlety. It had to be big, and there had to be a lot of explosions. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that they brought Robert Rodriguez in to do it, because I think he, he really knocked it out of the park with this episode. Yeah, Rob, Rob Rod coming in and killing, killing this episode. Uh, so, yeah, going to, I mean, MVP, MVP for me is obviously my boy, Bubba Fett, the best, one of the goats. Uh, he's c- c- coming in wrecking shop, just using every single thing. Use guy uses knee darts for Christ's sake. That's that's how you know he's a badass. <laughs> when, when you can kill someone with your knees, that's how you know you've made it. And uh, yeah, obviously that's my favorite scene of the entire episode, and maybe one of my favorites of the entire show. Uh, so 
Russell, your uh, MVP and favorite moment of the of the show. I mean, MVP is not a surprise. Boba Fett, uh, just that whole scene with him wrecking shop on the troopers was pretty badass. So uh, yeah, that's my favorite. And Laura, MVP and uh, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna go for a clean sweep, but MVP and uh, favorite moment. No, no, no clean clean sweep for me. I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna do Fennec Shand as my MVP. I w- was so thrilled to have her back. I think the metal abs is a really funny, weird idea, um, but I'm here for it. And she had a couple of really cool moments. I mean, I think there's one moment where she jumps off of some boulder and like she's there's oh, like, you know, a like, wide shot of her yeah, shooting no, the she, bow. Yeah, she like she like breaks off a rock that hits that hits like a, a, yeah, bu- a that, bigger that rock. Hits the yeah. It's it's like something, it's like something out of a cartoon. Doesn't hit the trooper with the turret, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just stays there. He's like, well, oh, I'm gonna, he, I'm gonna blast he, it. He, yeah, he tries to shoot the rock. Abort, abort. You need to get away. Like no, like <laughs> move. Yeah. I swear I could break it down. I could break it down. <laughs> it, it also goes towards my theory that like st- people in Star Wars are the most dur- main characters in Star Wars are the most durable people on the planet. Because it doesn't matter what happens, they can survive. Well, and I think the issue, I think the thing that I've come to realize is that if, like, if you are a, an actor of literally any notoriety at all, there's a good chance you're going to be back for another episode. I mean, Bill Burr's the next exhibit in this in this particular, you know, example. But I think overall, yeah, I have I've got Fennec Shand as my MVP. Favorite moment though has to be the sort of reintroduction of Boba Fett in his armor. And not because I, it really struck me as being anything cool when I watched the episode, but if anybody who's listening to this hasn't watched the Disney Gallery series for season two of The Mandalorian yet, I highly recommend going and watching it. There's a really cool sequence where Robert Rodriguez talks about how he envisioned how that scene would go very early on, and he actually filmed a version of it with his son in his backyard where he's wearing like a Boba Fett helmet and he has it like framed exactly how he wants it to look in the episode of like Boba Fett's reintroduction with the armor on, with the helmet on, and then all he him launching into the full badassery that he is in the moment. It's really, really cool. Highly recommend going back and, and watching that if you haven't, because it, it sort of changed how I viewed this episode overall. I have not seen that, but I will go back and watch it now. It also makes me realize like it also makes me realize like how just Star Trooper Trooper Armor ain't shit. It ain't shit. <laughs> because Boba is breaking off this thing with a breaking these things off with a stick. Yep. <laughs> with a gaffy stick nonetheless. I'm like or a modified gaffy stick maybe. But yeah, I'm pretty sure these troopers their armor was made out of like ramen dried ramen noodles. It just shatters yeah. without hardly any effort. Keep waiting by someone like shout like this armor is useless. Why do I even wear it? Yeah. Uh so yeah, and like we said, uh, if you like, if if you can, you can, if you're not at any notability, you're gonna come back and you can survive anything we tell you to survive. Makes you wonder why Quagga was such a bitch when he got stabbed. Right. Get some get some metal abs. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Why didn't Obi Wan heal him with the Force? I don't know. I just yeah. <laughs> could have saved, saved a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. Now could have saved a lot of lives. A lot of lives exactly. could have been saved. Uh, but anyway, we can move on to the next episode, The Believer. Uh, we open up on this, this kind of like New Republic prison where Mayfell, Bill Burr's character, is being held. Uh, Cara Dune goes there to break him out. They say they're taking him away for some other purpose. We see Boba Fett has painted his armor, which was something that, again, I'm used to saying like the scuffed up, like chipped, dirty, dirty Boba Fett armor. So now I see like the new, like the Sherman Williams <laughs> version of him. Like, <laughs> sc- did, you, did, did you like stop at a hardware store on the way here? What, what, what? This doesn't seem like a priority, but fine. I, I, I'll accept it. 
Game day ready. Yeah, so the point is they need Mayfell because they need they need what like Imperial clearance codes, I think. From a from a Yeah, the, he, he has the coordinates. Yeah, he has the coordinates to a place yeah. where they can get Imperial clearance codes. And since he should still be in the system and he knows how the, the stuff still works, he'd be an asset to go there. So they go there and they go to this planet. It's like a jungle planet, which is something that we don't we don't see a whole lot of this. We don't see like a rainforest like jungle type planet like this. I don't know what it's called, but I did I didn't like the look of it. Uh, they they go to, they go to the planet, and they needed to send two people in to go in you know to go in in addition to Mayfield. Uh, they can't send Fennec because they know who she is. Can't send Cardoon, know who she is. Boba Fett, let's say they recognize his face. So <laughs> only one conclusion: they got to send in. Uh, they have a really sweet chase on the way there. Makes you realize that Din's maybe become a little bit complacent because like when you, when you see him without his best car armor. Oh boy, he's he's getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, you can really see where he like is not he he forgets that he doesn't have Beskar on a couple times yeah, during the sequence. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it, I forgot. Wait. Time <laughs> just out. shows you how heavily reliant he is on it though, too. That shows yeah, you how uh, again, miracle metal. So you how like great this stuff is. Uh they're they're transporting I forgot what this stuff is called, but I know it shows up in Rebels. I saw I seen that episode. Uh, Rhydonium. Rhydonium, that's it. Which is like this highly explosive stuff. Uh, and then we go, we, uh, they get saved, they get attacked by pirates, they get saved by the Empire, they go in, and there's like this computer in a break room where they're going to be able to get the access codes they need. Problem is, Mayfield's old superior officer is there. So it's like, he's gonna, like, he could recognize me. So I probably shouldn't go in. So he sends Din in, and they need, they need a face scan. And this is the part that kind of confused me. I don't know if you had the same thing, Russell. Yeah, just take the mask off. Well, but no, well, no. But the thing yeah. is, oh yeah, yeah, the thing is, like, I, I thought like the whole like him like the system recognizing him. I guess it's kind of like a security thing, just like to just get, like, get a record of it. Maybe it's for records. Because I thought that when it scanned him and it accepted his face, it meant that he was in the Republic system or the Empire That's system. I was, I was under that impression too. But my thing was, why not just take the mask off? To take the helmet off first. Yeah, I know. You know the whole. I don't take my helmet off. Blah blah blah. But we obviously see him do it a couple times here in this whole entire season. Um, just to, just to not. I mean, I get they're gonna have to do it for the obviously for the storyline to move the plot. I get it. But like, I'm thinking to myself, well, just take your helmet off first and scan, and you're good, and, and you don't even have to have that confrontation. You know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, so he's got to go and got to do. It. He's got to do it for his son, Russell. I get it, man. So they go and they get cornered by Richard Brake. <laughs> you're really funny so man. Well, I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed this, but like Russell, because I know you're a big fan of Office Space. It's like, come on, buddy, we got we got to go work on those TPS reports. Those TPS <laughs> reports, yeah. And and it was so weird seeing him not in a Rob Zombie movie. So it was yeah. kind of funny. To, but like, uh, yeah. I remember hearing the line. I'm like, did I just hear that? Yeah, I I instantly thought of Office Space. I was like, what the hell did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, then we get like a really tense scene where they're talking about. You know, like the thing that went bad with Mayfield's unit, where like he's part of Operation Cinder, which correct me if I'm wrong, Lord, that was, that was like a, a contingency plan to like wipe out Imperial bases. What was I Operation mean, it's Cinder? It's kind of a, a, a contingency plan to wipe out everything. Everything. Like, uh, the Emperor, yeah, the Emperor's plan was basically if I can't rule over this, nobody can, and so it's just it fucking ex- make everything explode. Okay. Anyway, yeah, Mayfield lost a lot of good dudes that day. Uh, Richard Brake doesn't recognize his face. So he's like, you know what? Fuck you, Richard Brake. And then just shoot. They just shoot some like right there at the table. <laughs> and then, they, and then you know, they've got to bust out. You had a really nice moment where he's just like, here, here's your, here's your helmet. I never saw your face. Uh, they break out. They blow up the facility. 
And then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a shame that Mayfeld uh, died in the facility over there. It's like, yeah, real shame. And then they just let him go. Uh, oh, don't worry. He'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I actually would welcome, which I'll get, I'll get to in a second. Uh, so they escape. Uh, Din Djarin basically sends the whole fuck, fuck you, baby, uh, Grogu's mind speech that, that, Gideon, that Gideon gave him last season. I think almost verbatim, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, yeah, that's what teases up for the season finale. So, uh, Russell, what did you think of The Believer? It was a fun episode, man. Like, a lot going on, a lot of action. You're really absorbed in this episode. I really like it. Um, I think it's, that might be, well, not my favorite, but definitely up there. Definitely in the better half of the of the season, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do th- I think that I like the aspect of perspective in this episode. Because, like, you think about it, like, the way they portray that is actually, like, really interesting. Because, like, you look at the, the chase, where, like, the TIE fighters coming in is, like, the happy moments. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. we're saved. Oh, wait, yeah. no, this is actually, like, a really bad thing because these are all really bad dudes. It's uh, like, yeah, yeah. The whole thing, the whole conversation at the table where they're talking about, like, you know, building out the character Mayfield and giving him actually, like, a really, like, great like great arc. I, d- I do think that's a really interesting thing portrayed in the episode. I'm glad that Rick Family you got to come back and do another episode. Like I really like t- his two from the first season were two of my favorites, so I do like that he was able to come back and do another one because I also just like him as a director. Uh, but Laura, what did you think of episode uh, episode eight? Uh, seven, seven. seven, seven sorry. Seven. I I have to say I did not I did not care for I don't care for Bill Burr in general. I don't I don't think I find him extremely unfunny. Um, I. He really, really, I really thought he was unfunny after I watched him host SNL uh, last season. Um, so I really was not enthusiastic by any means to see that he was coming back. Um, <laughs> the character did win me over a little bit. I would be fine if we never saw Bill Burr in Star Wars again, but unfortunately I think we will. Um, but I think overall the character won me over in a big way, mostly because I think that the the trek from wherever they, they picked up the, the juggernaut, the tank, and the conversation between him and Din in the in the cockpit or whatever in the driver's seat, the front row of the of the juggernaut was really funny. Oh, yeah. Which is wasn't really a conversation because Din Jarn wasn't saying anything. But the fact that like Mayfeld was really just egging him on, um, but also making a lot of really good points, I think, philosophically about the about Din Jarn and his whole thing with his helmet. I enjoyed that conversation overall. I thought it was really interesting. And then you can't go past this episode without talking about the seismic charge explosion, which was oh my God. a real highlight for any fan. <laughs> there are a lot of prequel enthusiasts out there. Um, they're totally valid as fans, and this was a big validation, I think, for them. Was getting to see that hey, moment. I mean, I'm not gonna val- I'm not gonna validate them, but this I did like seeing. I, as soon as I saw the chart, I'm like, oh no, oh yes, oh yes, yes. Like yes, amazing, and. <laughs> Look, I want to see more Bill Burge because I want I want to know where Space Boston is. Because I remember a lot of people, <laughs> being, I don't know if a lot of people like being like really well, like, how does he have a, a Boston accent in space? I'm like, really? We got we've had British, American, uh, Islander, Jewish, Middle Eastern, J- Japanese. Why is Boston <laughs> one step too far? <laughs> but I, I do I do want to know where Space Boston is. Um, but yeah, I do, I do understand. And again, I do think that. I mean, I like Bill Burr enough. I, I haven't seen the SNLs. Maybe that'll turn me against him. I don't know. Uh, I usually don't watch SNLs. So that's that's just another thing. Uh, but you know, I do think that his like, I I, don't, I think what I like about him here is like his dramatic his dramatic work. I, like the scene at the table, I I point to you all the time. 
and like I'll go first because that's my favorite scene of the episode because it, it reminded me a lot of Inglorious Bastards, just like how incredibly I don't know if I've ever seen a scene that tense in any Star Wars anything. Just like this, the way that they're talking, the way that they're talking, the way like that pressure builds. And again, it's also cute. Uh, let's throw up to Richard Brake, who I I love as an actor. Like I said, like yeah, Russell, Russell and I are big Rob Zombie fans, and oh yeah, him, for sure, and just seeing him in anything. Like, I love that guy. I, I love his, like, weird stuff, like, his weird, like, southern accents. Like, wow. Yeah. Where's space? Where's the space south? He's yeah. hit or mess, man. You either love him or you hate him. I don't think there's, like, an in-between for, for him. Where, where's the space deep south? Is Finn al- Are Finn <laughs> and Lando allowed there? I, I want to know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, MVP for me, it might be Richard Brake, honestly. R- Richard Brake, Rick you. I think that the two of them did an excellent job in this with this episode, both as an actor and director. I think Bill Burr did a great job as well. To where, like, I mean, I don't need to see more Mayfeld. If you want to bring him back, I'm cool with it because I do like that character now. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I very much enjoyed this one. Uh, Russell, uh, favorite moments and MVP of the show? The fun scene was the battle in the pirates. I thought that was kind of fun, man. That I, was it fun. was like, especially because he thought it is armor. So he, it's, it's a little bit more leveling the playing field, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? And how many pirates were like chasing these guys? Like, because it seems like they wiped out one, boom, there's another, like, like a little transport with more pirates and then boom, they're going up. Boom. There's more pirates. It's like, it's crazy. Um, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, my MVPs Mayfeld, um, kind of what you said, chance. I like that whole, that dramatic scene. And, and it really does build the tension in that scene. And just overall, I thought Mayfeld's, uh, back and forth kind of what Laura said with Mando, I thought was kind of, uh, funny. So, uh, I got Mayfeld as the MVP on that one. Yeah, I'll, one of the things maybe of the show in general. I just think that's just such a well executed thing. In fact, then because it's just people talking, like it's Tarantino esque, and I I love that about it. So, uh, Laura, favorite moments and MVP of the episode. Um, for I think for MVP, I'm gonna go Din Djarin. I really, I, I'm really on board for any time I get to see Pedro Pascal without his helmet on. Oh, yeah. um, I, I love that we got more than one episode this season where we had helmetless Dinjarin. Um so I fully appreciated that. I love what he um I don't, I just love that whole sequence where he, the way that he's sitting at the table and the way that he sort of like moves his head and shifts his like he kind of is acting like he still has a helmet on like he forgets that he doesn't have it on anymore. It's just a, it's a really interesting really subtle feature for me so I, I would probably go mvp him uh favorite moment is by far seismic charge if i had to go honorable mention for mvp i would go ludwig Gorenson for the score mm. because for whatever reason in rick famiyua's episodes he adds the like hip-hop spin is only for rick famiyua's episodes it's not for any of the others but i love what he does when he brings that sort of like hip-hop vibe to the score of the show he's right he's running around kugel i got you bro exactly <laughs> Uh, all right, so moving on to the final episode of the season, Chapter 16, The Rescue. Uh, so this kicks off with them kidnapping Dr. Pershing. Yes, he is back in this one. Uh, they kidnap him. We get another very similar scene to the last one where it's just like him talking, where it's just like two people just talking and just an like attention bill before like it inevitably explodes. This time it's someone, it's, uh, I don't know if it's Fitz or Simmons from Agent's Shield. It's, it's the guy from Agent's Shield. Uh, he's talking shit to Cara Dune, he's just like, oh, you're from Alderaan? Do you have people there? Do you have family? <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Getting your planet blown up. <laughs> uh, so they go and they kidnap Dr. Pershing to try and get back on the ship. And they ki- Did they kidnap the shuttle? They hit the shuttle, too. That's right. Yeah, they bring him onto the shuttle. Yeah, so then they need extra help. So who do they go back? They go back to get Bo-Katan. They're like, okay, 
which there's the thing where it's like, you know, if you want to find Moff Gideon, you probably should just stick with stick with this guy. Chances are Moff Gideon will find him. And now they got to find Moff Gideon, so they got to go get Katie Sackhoff. Uh, we find out Boba Katan is a little bit racist <laughs> because they go, <laughs> they find, they find, they go talk to Boba Fett. He's just like, I've heard your voice a million times before. You're all the, you're all the same to me. <laughs> and it's kind of like disowning his Mandalorian, even though his dad fought in the Great Purge. It's like, come on, like show this dude a little respect. Maybe a little. I don't know. I, I don't know how you see clones. But you, like, you, but you also didn't hear his voice a thousand times. You heard the other guy. <laughs> We're not. We're not going to mention uh, D. Bradley Baker. I will mention him because he's he does a great work with uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, and probably Bad Batch if we ever see it. <laughs> we, we'll see it. Uh, so they decide to go and raid this sh- and raid this ship. Uh, they get they get on. They're doing pretty well. They got this new dark trooper, which is the thing that we saw at the end of Episode Four, which like these like new like bigger badass droids. Which like they were really supposed to be suits, you know, kind of like Iron Man and shit. But it's like you know what, we took away the human element, and now they're the ultimate. Now they're the ultimate soldiers. Really? Didn't you just have a whole war to prove like why these are not the ultimate soldiers? Did no one remember this? All right, whatever, fine. But these things, these things are pretty tough, though. Not gonna lie, <laughs> they're they're durable, which is something that the droid armies and the separatists did not have. So maybe that's the <laughs> event, maybe that's the advantage. Yeah. They're also small batch, so maybe that's why they can build them tougher. Built tough, built Imperial tough. So they go in, they expel, they expel all the dark troopers pretty easily, and in kind of a funny way. Like he opens the airlock and just ejects them all out. Like, ah, that's that that that, that is kind of funny. Uh, but, and then he goes, he finds the cell that that Moff Gideon's holding Grogu in, and he's just like, oh, you you want? Yeah, just take him. We got what we need. I I don't know how much blood you can drain from this thing, but if you say you got all you need, <laughs> you got all you need. And yep. Din. Accepts this with no further questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ha ha, tricked you. And he just like starts like they have a fight, which is, again, thank God he has that best scar spear because if not, he would be test. Or maybe not. He didn't have the best scar spear when he fought Sokotano, but Sokotano was trying to kill him. But yeah, we do see that John Carlos episode gets a chance to actually do something with a Darksaber other than cut his way out of a ship, which is nice. The fight between them is actually like, legitimately cool. Uh, he predictably beats Moff Gideon's ass, takes the Darksaber. He's like, all right, you know what? Here, you, you can have a Bo-Katan. Uh, no, she can't. See, here's the thing. That saber, can't, you, you, can't, uh, you can't give it away anymore because it did happen once. You got to earn it in, in combat. And so we're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen here? But no time to think about that because the Dark Troopers are back. Yeah, that's that's I guess a benefit of not having humans. You don't need oxygen, so hey, you yeah. just out of the air hole. We can come back. It's, that's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's an advantage. Yeah, so they're trying to send a signal for help, and you're like, oh, and they're about to break into there. It's like, oh no, they're fucked. Then you see this X-wing pull in, and for my first thought I was like, oh, new Republic, new Republic guys, no shit. Then when no one shows, no one else shows up, I'm like, huh, that's weird. It didn't click into my head. I'm like, wait, is this? Are they doing this? Then it's when we saw like the Michael Jackson glove. And the green lightsaber. <laughs> I'm like, no way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Luke fucking Skywalker is here. And he is throwing down. Again, this, he's wrecking shop. And it is awesome. <laughs> and then, like, he's, he's, he's coming in. He's coming in the room. He's throwing down. He's eliminated all the droids. And like, I'm like, oh, God, it's Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. He takes it off, and it's CGI recreation deep fake Luke Skywalker, which is. Yeah, admittedly, I was kind of disappointed. admittedly a little strange. Yeah, it was weird. 
again, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. But he's just like, look, I'm the, who are you? I'm a friend. I got, I got his signal. I'm here to take, I'm here to take him away. He's like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, you, you, call, you called me. <laughs> you needed help. I'm his kind. <laughs> I know what to do. It's like, he's, he'll, he'll be a good man. I'll protect him with my life. Kind of like I do, I do my other students in the future. But we're not going to talk about that. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> uh, but then we get, like, this one last scene with Grogu and Din Djarin, where Din ultimately takes his helmet off. So Because you, know, you think about it, I don't think Grogu's ever seen his face. No. no. This might be the first, yeah, this is the first time Grogu's seen his face. And, like, it's as he's leaving him. Maybe forever. We don't know why. Because, but... Yeah, uh, he, he, give, he gives him over to Luke Skywalker, and he just goes away, and it's sad, and every and it's sad, it's really sad. Uh, but you, kn- but you do know, but you do see that Din Djarin, He's not, he's upset because he's losing his his friend, his son. But he knows that this is this was his mission, and this is this is what he did. And I do like that he'd come down and say, "I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm going to help you." Because you know, Bogus had been like, "Wait, you're Luke who now? <laughs> Die!" Exactly. Uh, we get we get a nice R two cameo. They the, the the elevator shuts and that's the end of the episode, or is it? But wait, there's more. We go once again back to Tatooine. I'm like, what are we doing here? Oh, but we go to Jawa's palace. We see that Bib Fortuna is there. He's running things. I guess he somehow survived the the crash at Jabba's barge. Uh, and, we, and I guess the running the hot syndicate comes with weight ga- extra weight gain because he looks a little heavy. It's been snacking. It's he, a COVID. He has, he has been snacking. <laughs> it's a quarant. It's a quarant. It's a Star Wars quarantine. He, 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 put, he, put, he put on the COVID nineteen. It happens. <laughs> so, but then, like, Boa Fett and Fennec show up. They murder everybody in there, and it looks like Boa Fett's going to take over the like, the Hut Syndicate. And then we get like the final tease. That, that's that's like the biggest oh shit moment for me of the entire yeah. season. Because I remember this was like right after they had their whole Disney Investors Day where they announced like all their new Star Wars shows, and this was not announced. I'm like, mm. and like th- th- they had no hint to this. And then it's like, book up the book of Boba Fett coming 2021. It's not Mandalorian. They should have included the asterisks. This is not Mandalorian season three, by the way. Don't worry about it. This is, we're, we're, we're cool. This is gonna be its own separate thing. But that'd be way too long and like way too, way too confusing. But like, yeah, uh, 2021, Boba Fett is getting his own series, and Ming Na Wen is along for the ride, and I am hype. I cannot wait to see what these two are gonna do in their own show. So that was it. That's the end of the show, and that's the that's the end of the, the episode. That's the end of the season. Uh, so Laura, I'll start with you. What was your th- what were your thoughts on Chapter 16, The Rescue? It was great, and I was one of those people that was sort of in the camp of, I don't want Luke Skywalker showing up in this show. I don't need the Skywalkers coming in and overshadowing this story that feels like it should be its own standalone thing. Um, but I was, like, pleasantly surprised how much I liked this. I The whole, like, Uncanny Valley CGI, Luke, that kind of stuff doesn't phase me. I just don't, like, my brain doesn't catch it and doesn't care when I see stuff like that, so it looked fine to me. Um but I, I think that this this moment overall of Luke coming in, it did overshadow things a little bit for me. I, there were a lot of really great moments in this episode. I loved when we had the four women, you know, running through the the ship, basically trying to get to the bridge. And and um, you and you like at least two of them. Yeah, exactly. And it was just a really great sequence. And it was one of those things where I didn't even make the connection at first that like, oh my god, this is a scene with four badass women just like mowing down all of these stormtroopers. I, I thought it was great. So I really enjoyed that that scene overall. But yeah, I do think that the end of this episode, it, it re- very much overshadowed 
the the rest of it. Um, the Stinger scene, I I could take or leave a show about Boba Fett. Like it's fine. I, there's a lot of other new shows that they announced that I'm way more excited for. This is going to be one of those shows that's really good and that I'm going to be really. I'm going to be eating my words at some point, I'm sure, because <laughs> that's how it goes with Star Wars. Um, the fact that we've never had a stinger scene before um, in anything Star Wars related, I don't think this was a big deal. Um, it definitely uh, it broke some new ground. And I'm curious if they're going to continue bringing that sort of style of things into the live action shows. I, I kind of like how sort of special it was in this and kind of hope they leave it and don't start overdoing it and start doing it in literally everything like the Marvel stuff. So we'll see how, how that plays out. Um, do we, do we, do we, uncover, really do we uncover like some like long held back frustration with like Marvel stingers? <laughs> I, I, I like the Marvel stuff. I just kind of don't, I don't want Star Wars to become Marvel. You right, know, fair, I don't want enough. it to become the MCU. I don't need that. So I, I like that. I kind of hope that they just know when to hold back. Yeah. I mean, I will say the Luke Skywalker, like, you need something like huge for the final, for the finale. So I understand the bringing it in. I, I think it's, I think it serves purpose because like yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have him send a signal to a Jedi, who's the only other Jedi out in the, out I in the mean, world? I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Someone, he's he's gonna show up. I, it's okay. Like CJ recreation for me is a thing that it's jarring when you first when I first see it. The more I look at it, the easier it gets to see. Like like Tarkin in the in Rogue One. Like first time I saw, it, I was like, oh, what's going on here? It looked good, yeah. but I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Uh, but the more like I saw him in the movie, like okay, I, I, I can get used to this, and this is a real you person. Ease in, you gotta ease into you gotta, it. You gotta ease into yeah. it. I do think that if they're gonna do this like long term, like more, like more, like more since Luke Skywalker, which they might not, I'm not sure. I do think it'd be more be, would be more beneficial to recast, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, and I do have a lot of questions like like going forward about like what Mandalorian season three is gonna be because actually I'll, I'll go to Russell before we talk into like what's going on in the future. Yeah. So Russell, uh, thoughts on the final episode? No, I like the way it ended. Um, kind of what Laura said with you know the whole Skywalker thing. You don't want that to overshadow. I think him being in it not as long. I think that really kind of was like tasteful. Like I think the episode still stood on its own. Um, you know, I thought. The ending was kind of badass, and yeah, it's a kind of a sad moment when you see Grogu leaving. But you know, you know, Mando has done what he set out to do. He's found a Jedi. I mean, what better Jedi than Luke to uh, leave? I mean, him with. his options so, are pretty mean, limited at this point. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's one of like, yeah, it's very minimal. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's a it's a good way to end it, and it kind of gets your head spinning. What's uh, what's gonna be in store here for season three? As the uh, uh, for the post credit scene there with uh, the Boba Fett. I mean, it was only a matter of time before that happened. That was kind of obviously predictable. So that really wasn't a surprise. I mean, it was a surprise in that they're actually going to do it, um, but not a surprise that they're doing it. You know? I mean, I, I, I was surprised. <laughs> well, no, you know what I mean, though. I mean, he's the most popular bounty hunter. I mean, it's like, it's not yeah. it's not crazy no, to say, like, they're not doing an IG-88 or a Dengar or Zakasin Forlom type of you know, show yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? What, so what, what, are, what, what are those homies coming in? I want, I want, to, see, I want to see all those weirdos. Dude, Dengar was my dude, dude. I, I was a big Dengar fan forever <laughs> just because of the turban and just because he's like old and just like, he just looked cool. I, I don't yeah. know. And it, it took the Empire Strikes Back special edition to see him in, in the Star Wars uh, canon, I guess, but uh, whatever. But there's really a lot of questions for like to see the show going forward. Like I said, like the, the what was basically like, the premise of this show is now it's over. He got Grogu to a Jedi. That's done. Yeah. But now he's got a whole other problem because, like, he's now he's basically Jon Snow of Star Wars, where like he's now like the rightful heir to a planet. He has no no interest in pl- in ruling. 
So the thing is, like with that dark saber, because like correct me if I'm wrong, Laura wasn't Vokan was handed this thing once before, wasn't she? She was, and I, I think what the difference is, and I imagine they'll dive into this at some point because they're they're really going to have to, is that in Star Wars Rebels, Sabine found the dark saber. She just kind of picked. She found it in like a temple. Oh, she and found just it. Picked it up and took it with her. Yeah. So she didn't actually fight and defeat anybody okay. for it. <laughs> And so when she she met up with Bo-Katan, you know, her her instinct was, you know, hey, I'm like 16 years old. You are the rightful heir to this, this, you know, legacy piece of, you know, saber. And so I'm just going to give this to you. You take it and, you know, have fun. Um, so I think that's the difference is that she really didn't have to defeat anyone in combat for it. Well, I also think the whole difference is between like, okay, like, like everyone on Mandalore probably know, like they probably know, I, I, I don't know for sure, but they probably know that she was given this Dark Side by Sabine, right? Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, there well, were a I bunch mean, of people around when it happened. So there are people, so there, it, people there when it happened, so people know. So yeah. imagine you get handed this right to rule. You, you lose it pretty quickly because I imagine this wasn't, that wasn't long after. <laughs> You, you uh, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard. It's hard to say because you don't have like a specific timeline. But like, say like you get handed this right to rule, you lose it, and then you get handed back to you again. Like they're not going to trust you. So I do no. understand why she can't take it this time. Uh, but yeah. my question is like, but like the thing is, she's not. She's not to kill Dinjar. That's the whole thing. Like, like like he like Din's in position of the dark saber. Like he, but Moff Gideon's still alive. So I don't know if you plan this out far enough in advance. I'm sure you can work something out. It's like you know, like like just, like like in Gladiator, like have a show for the fans, but it ends and you getting your ass kicked, <laughs> and then and then Bo-Katan getting her getting the plan that she wants so badly. But I do think that power struggle is going to be like a big thing, uh, in in the next season because like we're again we're three we're we're about to be three seasons in. I haven't seen the planet Mandalorian Mandalore yet, so but. You would think is a big thing here, considering the show is called The Mandalorian. So, I think at some point we'll see this. I, I do want to like know what actually happened to this planet because I don't think we know so far. I think it's been alluded to. We don't have like a, c- a concrete answer, but yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, and I also do want to throw some shout because I did, didn't mention it while I was talking about the Luke Skywalker scene. Probably my favorite piece of score in this entire sh- in this, the entire show is the score when Luke Skywalker is throwing down with, with the droids. Like I think yeah. uh, Ludwig did. Yeah. He does an excellent job with this entire show, but that scene in particular was like my favorite piece of score of the entire favorite piece of music of the entire show. So uh, going around, uh, Russell uh, MVP and favorite moments of the episode. MVP is Luke when he's wrecking shop at the end. I thought it was cool, and then obviously he's the one that now has Grogu, so he's in. You know, you know, he's going to protect him and stuff like that. So he has obviously he bears that responsibility. So uh, just make him MVP because of that. God, God help Kylo Ren if he's the one that murdered Baby Yoda. <laughs> we'll kill. Right. We'll kill. We'll kill you again. Uh, yeah, MVP for me, I think, is again, I'll, again, Luke Skywalker. I do think that, like, the uh, TGI side, I do think that seeing him again, seeing him do, seeing him do what he did, I think this is a, it's something I've again, another thing I've wanted to see. I, I, do, I love seeing Luke throw down in anything. So I do think that was great. Uh, favorite moment for me was it was the it was the goodbye between Grogu and. Grogu and uh, Din, just like the fact that it's just so much, so much built of emotion. The fact that it's between a guy and a Muppet, like it's, <laughs> it's amazing how well Pedro Pascal sells that scene and how well that that goodbye just lands to you. And how much, how blow it is to the audience because so many people got in this show because of Grogu. And now he's just, like, it's just not going to be there anymore. I know he's going to come back at some point. He has to, please. But uh, I, I do wonder how long it's going to be before we see Grogu again. So yeah, that whole moment just it, it stuck with me in that show, and I just never. 
never forgotten it. I think it's great. And I think it was a great way to cap off the season. Uh, Laura, uh, MVP and favorite moment. My favorite moment matches yours. I mean, that goodbye scene where we see Pedro take his helmet off and he's crying. And it's just, he waits until there's some distance between him and Grogu and Luke's walking away before he sort of lets the waterworks really show. But, oh, it is sad. Um, it, it just broke my heart. It's one of the, I've gone back and like rewatched that episode. I think I watched it maybe three times because I had to talk about it the night that it came out. Um, and I, I was just like crying all three times. And I, I cry in all movies. So I'm, a, you know, I'm an easy mark, but <laughs> it, it, that really, really moved me. <laughs> um, and it's one of those that I have a feeling I probably won't rewatch very much in the future because I know that it'll wreck me. Um, but I, I really did enjoy it. You got to give Luke the MVP for this one. Um, as much as I didn't want him in it, I'm really glad that he came in. And I do agree that it, it worked for the story in this situation. And they did a good job of, of you know, I don't think they, they used it too much. And I don't think that he's, I don't think Luke's going to be back. And I don't think we're going to get like a spinoff show of Luke Skywalker. I think this is I mean, sort of a one and done. We had we had a whole spinoff movie series of Luke Skywalker. We're good. But we don't need it. We exactly. don't need his own show. But... <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say no to a whole moment with Ahsoka Tano. I mean, that, that's the only thing I would accept. As far, not accept, but like the only thing I'd like want to see if like Luke ever came back. But I, I don't need to see like the whole like Luke Jedi school said by the bell. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that is it for the season. That's it for the show. So Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Uh, thank you for having me. This is great. Uh, fi come find me on Twitter. I am at shutup underscore Laura. Um, I'm often tweeting and talking about Star Wars. Um, you can find me at my my podcast, which is Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour, where me and my friend Alice drink wine and talk about Star Wars. And then I also co-host The Jedi Way on YouTube with John Roca. You can find that on his channel. All right. Uh, Russ, you want to give our plugs before we head out? Yeah, you can find us notorious by chance on Facebook. That's a group where we put the polls up for you guys to vote on what we usually cover. You um, can also find us on uh, YouTube, notorious by chance. We're uh, going to get started on that. We got a lot of good things coming up uh, 2021, so uh, be on the lookout for that too. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Chance Wars underscore ninety one. And uh, check this mode down where uh, Laura and I we compete and stuff. That's that's uh, and uh, this season is about to get going. It's going to be a fun time. Especially when we get Laura back on our team, because it's gonna it's gonna happen. I promise you. Uh, so that's gonna do it for us. Uh, once again, thank you for Laura for coming uh, coming along to review this with us. And yeah, we will see you next time. 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 Next time.